1: Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com Acast.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
2: We're introduced to Winton Kid by collecting the scorpion, aren't they? And there's like second level dialogue about the, the method of killing and John Barry's cue. And you're like, goodness me, what an introduction to two characters.
3: Touches of um, Skyfall in there, isn't there? Like in terms of like, the Raoul Silver with the rat oh, conversation. I zone out, you know, mate. That. Just, yeah, <laughs> you know, and even I'm, I don't really want to compare it, but Christoph Waltz and the cuckoo thing. You know, it's always great, a nice bit of intro dialogue with a metaphor about a the devil's job. breath. Love the it, super, Renner. Yeah, exactly that kind of
4: thing. Yeah, I mean the the scorpion thing is one of the few things that this takes from the novel. Because that's one of the things that happens at the start of the novel as well. But I'd never made that connection with the rats until you just said it, John. It's that, um, yeah, it is that sort of bad guy monologuing about a specialist sort of subject. And their specialist subject is killing people in unusual ways.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's scary, the dusk, isn't it? I don't know whether they toned down the lighting in post-production, I don't know. But obviously filming... Uh... Vegas, the Vegas desert again. Again, as kids, it's quite a, it's quite a scary scene because it is a shocking death. I mean, now you might watch it, and when we get there, you might laugh at the overreaction from the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, especially as, like, I'm
4: pretty sure a scorpion does not kill no. that quickly. No. You know, and, and also you drop it down someone's shirt, um, <sighs> and it's like. Is it really going to make contact? If I remember correctly, there's yeah. a deleted version. Isn't yeah, it?
2: and they reshot it, didn't they? Where he put it in his mouth, but I think they thought it was too much. It was too yeah. Funny. PG. Yeah. <laughs> what they used to get away well, with in 1971. Eh? It would have been quite effective soon as he was a dentist as well, maybe. But I, I'm glad we got the ridiculous yeah. overreaction after this. Oh, it's brilliant! <laughs> Yeah, so this dentist arrives in his cool motorbike, expecting someone called Joe. And then we get an introduction to the names, Mr. Winter, Mr. Kid, and then this lovely side basket with the diamonds contained. Because obviously he's he's passing them on now. They've used insider knowledge, haven't they, to distract him? Because he's a dentist. They thought, all oh, right. Well, while, while we're here, let's sort of say there's something wrong with my wisdom tooth.
1: I think that almost makes them seem, like, almost cruel. Yeah. And also, it makes me more sympathetic for him, because he actually does go and look. He, you know, he, he's just collecting these... Da- he's clearly, you know, dodgy. But the fact that there's this guy, this courier, is, like, complaining about his wisdom teeth, he was actually prepared yeah, to look at his Yeah, I teeth, know, it's all. You know, and actually cared enough for a stranger that it sort of oh. makes it worse that the the user to sort it's of... So iconic, these noises in the scene. To their advantage, yeah. <laughs>
4: I actually have really I have a lot of problems with my wisdom teeth, and every time I had an infection there last. This is gross, I know, <laughs> but I had I had an infection in my wisdom teeth um, at the start of lockdown last year, and I was in oh, absolute no. agony, couldn't go to the dentist, so I had to have antibiotics, you know, three different kinds, whatever, and it did sort it out. Oh, good, so, good thank idea. God. But I, I I I do have I do have a lot of I've had I've had to have one out a couple of years ago, and all that sort of thing. Every time I get any kind of twinge in my wisdom teeth, I think yeah. of this scene. <laughs> yeah,
5: that's, that's how
4: indelible an impact. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's. Uh, I mean, this whole scene has, uh, has such an indelible impact in my consciousness. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about Winton Kidd, who are the few, some of the few, I say, out gay characters. Weirdly enough, on the commentary on the DVD, Tom Mankowitz actually refuses to use the word gay. And we sort of hovered around this in the last episode as well. But clearly they are. And even to the point that the dentist says, yeah. when he sees oh. their body language, he says, oh, I yeah, see. Yeah. And it's at, that, it's at that point, I have no sympathy for the dentist. I want the homophobic so-and-so to die a horrible, painful death. It's, it's that kind of like vaguely embarrassed, but also condescending. Oh, actually, yeah. you know, it's that sort of, you know, which I've encountered a few times in my life, not that many, but a handful of times. And I'm just like, you know, actually, yeah. And because the point of view, I know... There are more problematic elements of Winter Kid later on, and we talked about this in part one. The fact that this film was re rated not just for its misogyny in certain scenes, but also its representation of homosexual characters, in this country at least. But in some ways, it's a very positive representation, and that bit yeah. gets us on the side of Winter Kid, so we're kind of with them rather than the dodgy. Do you Dem- think that's what
2: was intended at the time? I don't know. That's the worry, isn't it?
4: It, it plays uh, well, well now. I don't. I honestly don't know. And I think, to be perfectly frank, they. Made Winton Kid. You know, it is hinted in the novel that they're gay. It's nowhere near as clear-cut in the novel as it is in the film. They're actually very different characters in the novel. They just basically take the names. There's not really, a, you know, an alleged homosexuality, and that was that was mostly a joke at the expense of Ian Fleming, one of Ian Fleming's uh, acquaintances, particularly someone who was, uh, who knew his wife quite well. He gives one of the one of them his, that man's nickname, and actually that man in real life. ...campaigned for homosexuality to be decriminalised. So Fleming kind of did it as kind of a big joke, really. Whereas the filmmakers, I think, are doing it in the sense of... ...you know, you've got to always make the villains other in some way. They've got to have either a physical disability, a scar... ...you know, they've got to be a different race. They've got to be, you know, whatever you make them gay, and I think that makes them suitably other. If we think about... I sometimes think, you know, because I've I've clearly overthought this over the years, because this scene is burnt into my consciousness, because it was probably the first time I ever saw a gay couple represented on screen, you know, it could have been so much worse. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not being that, I'm not apolog, I'm not apologizing for the, for the, for the, um, for the, for the problematic parts here, but it could have
3: been a lot worse. It's a very interesting set of villains in this film, isn't it? Because it adds character elements to every single kind of villain. You haven't mm. just got like a goon in this film, have you really? No. You've got, Two homosexual uh, killers. Then you've got a Bible yeah. reading diamond smuggler. So, so the Christians get a rap there, and then you get the um, you know, the hypocritical and then- Christians.
4: And I think that's the distinction because it's always characters, people who are pretending to be something they're not. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you go. Blofeld goes for the cross dress. You get the cross dressing Blofeld. Yeah you have the first female black villain in this yeah, film yeah. as well. True, yeah. Then you have a villain who is a comedian. You have a villain who is a funeral director. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. like, apart from the three goons of Morton Slumber, there is a lot of character development of the villains. The the ad- Backstories or give them duties, and that's part of like be- to add to the actual diamond stuff, like the actual story. But I do think that it's very, very interesting. Whereas, like previously, in You Only Twice, you had generic ninjas as uh, or- <laughs> there was a film before and I- and I that. I think that uh, there's something in between uh, You Only the Twice, John. And- <laughs> well you can use that because at the end right, fair, okay. fair enough then Grumfer, yeah, Grumfer as a, as a villain yeah. is, is pretty much just a hired hand in yeah. it he's just a so I do think there is something very interesting about the intention of the backstory to each villain in this film
2: yeah it's yes, the worry isn't it that how can we let's think of something bad about them was it done consciously like the audience will will be more yeah. scared of them if they're gay
4: which you know let's be honest Probably people, you know, were, and probably some people watching this probably still are as well. I think I was probably scared of them because they were gay as well. You know, because they are, you know, internalized homophobia, you know, aside, you know, they are, you know, they are other, they are different. And I think that probably added to their creepiness. But because even when I watched this film when I was, you know, however old, eight, nine, or whatever when I first watched this film, I had already kind of, I was already aware that I was different as well, you know, and there was a, even if I didn't know the terminology and all that kind of thing, I, you know, I, I've always, although I love James Bond, the character and whatever, I think I probably have kind of always, I'm not going to say aspired to be one of the villains, but I think I've always kind of warmed to the villains quite a lot because of that otherness to their characters. Mm. And I always think, you know, this is a, Discussion for another time, but I think James Bond is other in a lot of ways as well. You know, in Diamonds of Forever, going back to what John said about you know all the all the characters and you know they're always pretending to be something they're not. James Bond has quite a quite a lot of disguise. You know, he spends a big chunk of this film, and I know he's you know it's part of being a spy having disguises, but he spends a big chunk of this film as Peter Franks. He's not who he seems as well, and I think. A lot of the nice. best Bond films play with that duality. You know, on a Secret Service, he spends forty minutes as a gay expert in heraldry. So you know, it's 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 you know that that's definitely part of the series as a whole. But particularly in Diamonds of Forever, you always get the feeling that Bond is never quite being himself. There's almost that kind of exhalation when he tells Tiff, well, when off off screen, sort of thing. Is that how um, it is? <laughs> that he he re, he, re, yeah, he, yeah, he reveals to well, tiffany anyway, yeah. exa- um, <laughs> he reveals to tiffany who he is for most of the film though she doesn't know him. yeah who he is. that's so no, not really true. and that's definitely a kind of theme consciously or not that that rides through this film mm-hmm. i i suppose the other thing to say about Winton kid is that At the end of that scene, they walk away hand in hand, which is the thing that kind of confirms the dentist's, who's now dead, yay. Uh, um, So it confirms his and our suspicions. So it kind of gets rid of the euphemism, the the, um, kind of, the hearsay in a way. And it's kind of like, no, they are gay. They are together. But the most important thing I think about Winton Kidd is that they actually do love each other. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, they're all really messed up. <laughs> yeah, well, <I> know. <laughs> <mean>. <laughs> and they're serial killers, and I've written a lot about this. But, you know, as an eight or nine-year-old, I took representation wherever I could find it. And, you know, if it is a couple of serial killers <laughs> with not especially great dress sense, sticking... Oh, sp- you know, <laughs> we're not... I- When I was when I was at school, there was a I I don't know if this was in in, in where you guys grew up, but there was definitely a playground taunt uh, aimed at kids they thought were gay. And of course, homophobic bullying is not necessarily just aimed at gay people, because when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, everything that was rubbish was gay. So, you know, it's like one of the playground taunts that I remember hearing, not just directed at me, was shirtlifter. And I always think of that scene when I hear that term. And it sounds funny now, obviously very traumatising to teenage me. But, you know, they lift up someone's shirt. And I always think, is that kind of a joke or not? It probably isn't, because I think that's a very British idiom. Although Tom Mankiewicz, you know, was capable of writing in a British idiom. But they are two men in a relationship who care for one another... To the point that later on, you know, one they def one definitely gets jealous of the yeah, other yeah. one. Yeah. They play yeah. it, for want of a better phrase, you know, Bruce Glover and Putter Smith play it straight in terms of, you know, this is how two men in love would behave. And it's kind of a mature relationship as well. A lot of queer cinema basically follows a trajectory of a coming out story. And in fact, I think one of the reasons I love Casino Royale so much, the Daniel Craig one is because it does almost follow weirdly a metaphorical kind of coming out as himself as James Bond. And that's why I I think that's probably why I love that film so much in a way, but this is not a coming out story. They're already out. These people, they've been, they've been together for like 20 years. You get that feeling immediately. Mm. And For me as a gay kid, I was like, oh, you can have a relationship with a man. And I know we're talking about essentially a, you know, a silly couple of villains in a Bond movie from 1971. But I really can't overestimate how powerful that moment was. Because, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And for the first time in my life, you know, because you grow up and, you know, Greetings cards and, you know, movies and TV shows, books, whatever. You know, you see men and women, princes and princesses getting together, whatever, whatever. You know, certainly in the 1980s and the 90s, you didn't see, Mm. you know, gay couples. But I did see a gay couple in a Bond movie, the thing that I already loved. So I, I honestly... Can't overestimate how how impactful that moment was to me then. And every time I watch that,
3: you know, as an adult, I have all that kind of memory flooding back. Do you think, David, that one of the things that highlights it so much is the exclusivity of the two? Whenever they are in a scene with somebody else, they kill them. Yeah. There is only there is only one small scene with Bert Saxby where they inform him that they've killed Shady Tree. Where they're interacting with someone without killing, they are very. They show no other kind of interaction on a social level with anybody else in the film so it's like we've never seen them with blow it, it is like they're no never no. so it's like no. their very own bubble isn't it it's very highlighted do you think some of that emphasized it in some way yeah i i definitely think so
4: y- you're right they almost kind of move through the film like almost like a supernatural presence and it is that kind of otherness that i think gives them that quality and they just crop up at kind of like the moment where you're kind of you know, you think we're safe, and then Wint and Kid arrive. But I think there's definitely something in there about kind of, you know, historically at least, you know, a lot of, you know, gay couples probably did keep themselves to themselves because they were fearful mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm on a podcast with a gay man talking to, you know, three allies. Even imagine you know this sort of thing happening twenty years ago. I know, I know you guys are lovely and whatever, but you know, c- can can you imagine a lot in a previous era, not that long ago, gay people would have felt really intimidated being inside straight spaces. So I think that's a re- that's something I've never even thought of until you just said it, John. That because they are self-contained as a unit, it's almost like them against the world. Yeah. Wow.
2: And the audience for that part is almost backing them, I think. I think the audience is drawn to these characters. and yeah. They just want them to come back, and every time they're on the screen, the film is better for it.
0: First, they thought I was a little too normal-looking, because they were looking for Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Laurie. Now, I can do Peter Laurie in my head, but I don't look like Peter Laurie. They wanted weird physical types. I didn't act like anything. I just acted like myself. <laughs> so when I got on the set, I looked at Putter and I thought, so we're gay. Well, the audience has the inside information, so you don't need to act like you're gay. If they know you are, then that's all that's necessary. A lot of my character was based on just looking at Putter and enjoying him. Just in looking at him was an enjoyable experience, and I thought, but he's mine. He's mine. He's my toy. And now I've got like this possessive kind of thing. That jealousy came up because I had, in fact, the sense of Putter being my...
4: And it's quite impressive. I mean, obviously, Bruce Glover was a trained actor, you know, obviously, famously the father of Crispin Glover from uh, Back to the Future. But Puttersmith... Smith is jazz. yeah. Is, 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 it jazzed, yeah, is he it, was. I'm yeah. relying on John he here? You're the, yes, he is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah? So it's quite interesting that they went for... It was unusual casting. Yeah.
2: links us in nicely with the recent Russell T. Davis comments because Puttersmith and... Uh, Bruce Glover were both straight. Russell C. Davis, of course, with his "It's a Sin" show recently, deliberately cast on all queer cast, didn't he? So it's different, obviously, in 1971. And we'll have the arguments where you know Tom Hanks did so much to, for AIDS awareness, didn't he? Because of his star wattage, it's one of these massive warrens that we could go down again. But I'll obviously turn to you first, Dave. What, what do you think about just for these two to start with? Would you have preferred to see two gay men playing these two roles?
4: To be honest, in 1971, I don't think so. It's not like they couldn't have cast gay actors, but even at this time, you know, the most famous one I always think of is Rock Hudson, who, brilliant actor in the 50s, 60s, um, and didn't come out until he died, tragically, you know, weeks before he died of... AIDS in the mid-1980s. And there was a public backlash, you know, no less than the president and his wife turned their back on him and almost denounced him, similar to what we were talking about earlier with some of the personalities. I, I honestly don't think you could have cast gay actors in 1971 in Diamonds of Forever. They just weren't, you know, out gay actors anyway, they just weren't visible and they needed to think of their careers. I have the utmost respect for Russell T. Davis. I think he's he's responsible for most of the best queer content on British TV for the last couple of decades. And I do respect and, and I know where he's coming from when he made the statement around you should really only cast queer People to play queer roles. Having said that, he did actually go on a podcast with uh, Christian Guru Murphy from Channel 4 News a few days after he made those comments. And he did not backtrack, but he did say that he never intended to kind of be offensive to actors who obviously need to do what they need to do to get the jobs, especially in the present climate. But he was attacking the system that didn't allow out-queer people to get the best roles and he said you know because he's in the position he is now he's got quite a lot of clout he said that's the way he runs his shows he will only cast queer actors but that's the position that he's in and he's got a certain
2: cachet another musician was originally cast as mr wint paul williams he's been an amazing songwriter and people might indirectly know him a lot for the muppets christmas carol songs but anyway
1: oh, yeah and the pants oh, with wow. the paradise
2: yeah Da- he's on the last Daft Punk album, which is it? topical. With that lovely voice, Paradise.
1: Check that out. Yeah, yeah. Really camp, all over the top 70s musical. Yeah, it's brilliant. Putter Smith.
2: He was actually invited. Harry Saltzman saw him at a Felonious Monk band show. He was obviously. He's been a session musician on Writers Brothers and all sorts of all incredible artists. So he's a a pretty impressive guy in that sense. But he's not. I mean, he's done this. I don't think he's done an awful lot afterwards. But and he just admits he was playing himself, but <laughs> I think he does yeah. a good job.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that I, 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 upon watching it again for this, oh no, I did think <laughs> that Potter was somewhat wooden, uh, and but he became it was quite clear that he's an, he's not an actor, and I, and I think that adds yeah to yeah. it because I think I think they play off each other really well. I think Bruce Glover is is is, is great. Yeah, I just felt that that that. That Puttersmith was just a little, yeah, little wooden. I don't know what you think of that, but
3: I tend to agree. I think I think the beauty of Puttersmith is his look rather than yeah. his um, rather <laughs> than his acting it. chops. He's, he's just distinct, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. he? He's got a very distinct look about him.
2: Yeah, he's like quite cuddly, isn't he? Cutesy until that there's that shot on the plane. It like zooms in on him staring, know. we're always terrified of that kid's that bit yeah there's something both of them are like likeable but also quite scary so and I think that is a lot down to the acting yes I accept Smith clearly isn't as yeah. good an actor as Bruce Glover but
1: yeah, and like what David was saying before, I said that, that you know the idea that they are it, it definitely does because there is that intimacy which you, you very rarely have. Yeah, mm. in in a, in a Bond film, there's that sense of intimacy that does. It's in anyone? You you it's sort just, of cheer <laughs> along because because I like was saying that it is the very, the it's like the the you know they are their own little team, you know, mm. and the. You want to sort of want them. To yeah, be you successful. do. <laughs> as bad so as yeah. that, you want them to be successful, yeah, yeah. and it does feel like it's 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 them, and that's why it sort of sits strangely with the blowfield. As a as a kid, I was like, who did they actually work for? Who who? Mm-hmm. Why are they killing these people? It's sort of, and I, and it sort of makes you feel that they are again, like you say, that other that they're sort of like revolving around the plot. You know, they kind of jump in and here and there. But you, but every time they're on screen, you kind of like this is this is this is great, this is fantastic. There's su- it's such great performances, and you want to know more about them, which you can't say a lot about what you would classify as, as henchmen.
4: No, it's true. As you were just saying that, I made a connection with the next film, and I think they have a kind of narrative similarity with uh, Baron Samadhi. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Which I, li- I literally I just made right. that connection as you were talking. Because he keeps coming up through the film, almost like a, you know, like a, a character in a horror movie. Yeah, mm. and that's what I mean by *Winston Kid* having a supernatural quality. In a sense, yeah. they just appear. You don't see. Mm-hmm. Them. You do say that see him on the plane tracking Bond, but they just appear throughout the film, and there's no kind of warning. No. And it's
3: the same thing with Baron Samedi, who is obviously incredibly over. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If they exclusively worked for Blofeld, they would have no reason to turn up in the last scene. Yeah. Mm. Because Blofeld, yeah. Blofeld yeah. has been defeated. Yeah. Well, we don't so know. they are just, very much...
2: Just, still not sure what happened to Blofeld. We'll come
3: on to that. <laughs> well, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. They're very much their own team. But it
2: works so well, the fact that Bond's never actually seen them. And he deduces it by... Yeah. I love that at the end.
1: Like this, like, store, like, again, it's like sort of like a Red Grant kind yeah, of side yeah. of them, them mm. knowing where he's going, tracking him, and not really interacting. With it. And like that, that, the scene at the crematorium where he gets the, the ashes because he just hasn't seen them before, he has yeah, no he's, knowledge. Yeah, it's knots on the back. It, it makes it more frightening because he's, you know, he's kind of very vulnerable. Yeah. You know, he just assumes the mourners, and, and that's it. And it's kind of, you know, I, 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 I do like. I really like that dynamic of where you have, you know, those kind of, you know, the, those henchman type characters. Like, they're almost one step ahead yeah, yeah. Of, of Bond or the plot. And I think that makes it more scary because they know more than you know yeah. because you're really just seeing most of the stuff through Bond's eyes.
2: Mm. Very good point. Yeah, it's quite rare that there are so many scenes without Bond as well. You wouldn't do that now, mm. would they? I mean, Daniel Craig has to be in every single no. scene, pretty much, doesn't it? But... <laughs> oh, oh. First of
3: the night, um, yeah. But well, Bruce Glover for me is the superstar of the film. I'm just going to say right, that now. Good. For me, Bruce Glover, that, that that Bruce Glover is the strongest point person in this film. Every scene he steals it. He steals every scene for me. I can't say that about any other actor in this film. Not that there isn't bad performances, but when he's on the screen, I am completely entitled. He Gets great dialogue. I think well. he is. Yeah, it is. Superb dialogue. Sent us oh, Bitten by the bugs. A- <laughs> oh, I just have to so say that. Shady, we adore yeah. your act. <laughs> oh,
5: <it's-> <laughs>
3: <laughs> he's just brilliant. Superb.
2: That bit's a bit like the bit in Spy Love Me, isn't it? Who, Where the Doctor Markovitz and... I've forgotten the other guy. You know, who's yeah, in the bomb, he's given to a helicopter me. pilot and... Oh yeah. 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 And then we get the iconic You would have given him yeah, I mean Mr. Yeah. <laughs> God one and man a fly. He would have Yeah, he gets the better because he's the better actor. He gets the second bit. <laughs> it's a bit tenuous, but the
4: helicopter blowing up is sort of the end of the Fleming novel. So it's weird that that scene has both the opening chapter and the closing chapter of Fleming's novel in the same oh, wow. scene. They're compressed, so it starts with a scorpion and then it ends with Bond shooting down a helicopter and closing down the diamond pipeline, exploding in the desert. So that scene is sort of like the novel compressed.
2: This is its almost like a romantic comedy trope, isn't it? They, they finish each other's sentences, don't they? Yeah. And that must be deliberate yeah. again.
4: And I, do, I, you know, I don't want to speculate, but because um, you know we talked about this in part one as well, uh, I did notice while I was doing some research in advance of this that Guy Mankiewicz himself, um, Tom Mankiewicz, sorry, not Guy <laughs> Mankiewicz, I've mixed up director. And yeah. writer, sorry, Tom Mankiewicz had some of his uh, obituaries in uh, the right-wing press in this country and a couple in the USA. The last sentence in those were, he never married. Mm. And he died in the, around the, was it 2010? So in the fir- even in t- until then, um, people were using that phrase. And that is widely known, and I know quite yeah. a few journalists, including some in my own family, that's often used as a euphemism for, they were gay. And everyone knew it, but they weren't publicly out. So the same phrase was used, for instance, at the end of the obituaries for Peter Hunt. Now, I'm not going to, you know, say that Tom Mankiewicz was gay, but he, you know, he... I I, I don't know. He definitely had a feeling for writing other characters, and I think that's a trait you can see through all of his Bond movies. He gives a lot of the best lines to the characters who feel quite other.
2: It must be an extremely unusual experience, David, seeing that holding of hands that then... Um, now and now, and I suppose what's changed and your own emotional attachments When and was the
4: last time you saw two men holding hands on screen? Well, is, even now. And I know they don't kiss in the movie. You know, holding hands That's, in a sense it, yeah. is... It's in Break, ...intimate yeah. act.
1: Yeah. 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 That's what really sort of struck me. Was that sense of intimacy, you know, because to hold hands... You know, because because Bond wouldn't hold hands with the woman. Sleeps with yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bond sleeps with you know, a, you know, a lot of women, but he's never, he's never really, you know, gentle. You know, well, he's not. There's no. I I never feel there's any real sense of intimacy. Maybe it, with, with with Tracy in some in some scenes. The the way that that shot. I don't know. I don't know if you could argue that actually. Is, is it actually positive the fact that I know that obviously holding hands they are you're explicitly telling the audience that they are a couple I know if you put your arm around someone else's shoulder that's 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 different isn't it because men often can often be kind of affectionate and a kind of an arm round you make is is one thing, but to hold hands is very different, and it is seen as well it's seen that that, that only a lot of heterosexual couples will do yeah the, yeah the, or or children, you know that children hold hands mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but I just think that that, that it's quite a powerful image. I, yes. I find to see to see that, and 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 quite kind of. I would have liked to have been there when when that was discussed to see how how yeah. we go, go going and this, to the audience reaction because I think well. it is. Yeah, and it is mean, now it is. Iconic. Like I can't like say whether the portrayal is you know you can either good, good or bad, but I think it is. A, a real genuine kind of moment for, for the series
4: fair I know it's problematic and in a sense you could see that holding hands is almost like the punchline a joke at their expense I don't no, see it that no. way I actually do see it as a groundbreaking moment
1: do you find that that, that that holding hands is more provocative than you know to see two men be sexual yeah. you know or to, to, to be kissing yeah. because again it goes into that intimacy it's like you can you can have a partner, but the idea of you being in a loving partnership because it's also those you know the, the, the perpetuating kind of like all those like ideas norms, that yeah. that, uh, that gay men are more promiscuous than straight yeah. men and that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's always that m- mindset that oh well you know homosexuals they can they do the things behind you know closed doors, but when it comes to w- seeing a, you know a homosexual couple holding hands, it's almost like like makes you more like. In those in in the head, it's like more like a, a real couple.
4: I I totally agree with you. I mean, I would go so far as to say that I think Wint and Kid are a far more progressive portrayal of queerness than. And I love the scene, but than Silver in Skyfall, hmm. who yeah. is explicitly, you know, non-consensually yeah coming yeah. on to Bond He's tied up, isn't he? He's in a a vulnerable position and that scene is great because of the way Bond reacts to it, but that could have gone so wrong, really. And they play with that and it's kind of got all that history of, you know, that's, oh, Mr. Bond, that's what the girls used to say sort of thing. I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think it is because it's a relationship. That scene is so groundbreaking because, as you said, you know, it's not about that stereotype of gay men. You know, if they started, you know, abs- snogging each other's faces off at the end mm-hmm. of that scene, that would be more stereotypical. Yeah, it'd
2: be nothing to do with but their actually, characters, we- would it? It'd just be take you completely yeah. out of the pit the I- film and what was going on. Bruce Glover said he was surprised he was cast because the producers first told him they were that he looked too normal. Mm, dear. Yeah. and he, he said he yeah. wanted a deformed yeah. Peter Lorre like actor
4: Peter Lorre played the first Le oh, right. in the TV oh, yeah. Casino Royale TV. he's most famous for f- playing a child murderer mm. in M the M. Fritz Lang yeah, movie yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there probably is a Bond link there oh, Fritz Lang <laughs> did make a lot of spy movies <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah, sorry that, I'm that, really that went was, well over my head really the idea was that they were essentially supposed to be weirdos but it, so I think the groundbreaking thing is they cast two kind of everyday yeah. looking people. They okay, yeah, they look like someone's
1: dad. Yeah. They just look very 70s. Yeah. You know, they they look like for me I think they look like character actors. You know they, they don't have like movie star looks, but neither do they look. No. You know, I think a bit of disservice. They're Victoria. not monstrous.
4: No. They, they've not got facial <laughs> prosthetics or anything no, like yeah. that.
2: No. Bruce Glover served in the Korean War. He was in Chinatown and he was in mm. Walking Tall the original not the absolutely brilliant remake with the rock sorry uh, Dwayne Johnson I think he was still the rock then <laughs> but in the original of course who was the the main character with, for the bond link Joe Don Baker Yes
3: oh. yeah. nice
2: 6 degrees it's never it's like 2 degrees of separation in the bond world isn't
1: it <laughs> yeah.
3: so good
2: we're now in Africa obviously I presume it's a set in Pinewood we don't actually see but yes we've got Mrs Whistler teaching English in what it must be some kind of missionary school isn't it you know just classic lines you could realise about the teaching but the shock on the audience must have been pretty big because they just see this nice innocent lady teaching these kids English about an umbrella a it rain yeah that's it something like that yeah I love it Josh is going to read you a story yeah Josh
4: Josh, (laughs) how nice nice to to see see it
2: (laughs) course I will have to get some pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoa, she's in league with these these guys. This is amazing, and the lovely cutout book.
3: Oh uh, mm. what freaks me out about this, or or has it is freaky. previously, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> is that she never breaks that character. No, no. So it's not like it's an act, Mm. you know, and then she goes, oh, I can't be doing with that. Some of the diamonds. That's the end of the lesson.
2: That's the end of the lesson. Yeah, she
3: she carries on being like that. And it's, oh, it gets me so much that every time. Yeah. Me. with the Cluedo Bible, you know, you're yeah. expecting the dagger to be hidden in the Bible. <laughs> <aren't you? Yeah. laughs> I think that's
4: the same kind of trend of, that we've already noticed. Of Mankiewicz is determined to kind of trash as many institutions as he mm. possibly yeah, yeah. can. Absolutely. So let's do religion now, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like okay, yeah. you know, you know, tick them off
3: as we go, you know. But but to be honest, like I'm all right with that. You know, yeah. I, 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 I think that that's one of the
1: okay game. But-
3: yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of The Simpsons in the earlier series, is that yeah. I think that if everybody is fair game, then Absolutely. it's fair. You know, that's that's my opinion. Yeah. I'm just saying that. And, I, you know. and yet,
4: I have... I actually quite like Mrs. Whistle. <laughs> I actually can kind of see... In fact, when, when she turns up dead, I think that's why it's oh, so it's horrifying, awful. because I might have this whole story worked out in my head here, and I'm not saying diamond smuggling is a good thing, but... Why is she diamond smuggling? Yes. She works in a school. She's got a pretty humble kind of living situation. Is she using the diamond smuggling funds to finance the school? And that may be because I work in education. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fault. But... <laughs> that, but I, I'm not prepared to smuggle anything Are you sure, to <laughs> you improve want to be school yeah. funding. No, I'm not going to do that to 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 get to increase the increase the finances. Uh, no, so I'm Wait. definitely not going to get involved in that sort of thing. But she's sort of. In, I know she's she's a bit of a she's a hypocrite for putting the diamonds inside, smuggling them inside a Bible, and it's that kind of idea that was still in Fleming's diamond smugglers of you give the diamonds to the people who are not going to be suspected. A little old lady, you aren't going to suspect her. So it is that idea, but is she actually, you know, she's not exactly criminal of the century. Does she really deserve to die? Probably not.
2: No. But yeah, Mrs Whistle, I mean, I'm I'm a Christian, and I growing up as a kid, I didn't really think of anything about that. But then watching this last time, I thought that is so... It's, it's quite cool, actually, to sort of flip the stereotype. Like John will say, we, we know loads of old people at church and stuff who are pretty hypocritical and you know you know what i mean he puts off a good
3: a great oh, yeah. but holy than their vibe and then i remember my nana used to go to church religiously every week friday was bingo day and the winnings would always go in the church pot and that was like her penance you know <laughs> that's the kind of thing is that that's a that's a justification <laughs> yeah, for it and it's just that kind of thing in it you know yeah yeah
1: i think it works really well either way if she is deep in this kind of conspiracy, this smuggling kind of, um, you know, kind of empire, it works really well because, like you say, the fact that she is this kindly young, uh, old woman, Mm. it it does kind of throw you, but at the same time, yeah, it kind of makes sense that she's sort of like a... um, a missionary over there kind of, you know, trying to, and it's like struggling for funds and finds herself being offered this opportunity. And, then, you know, there's kind of like a Walter White kind of Breaking Bad kind of, mm. you know, that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that she's got sucked into this thing this to, to, to is, yeah. for, the, for the money kind of thing. But <laughs> um, amazing but, yeah. spin-off series for it's <laughs> <That's> a <laughs> great I, comparison. it's
3: yeah. so... <laughs> right. She yeah. goes I cannot full believe. Walter, Walter uh, White. Wh- we've got Diamonds Are Forever is the influence for the Vajazzle, <laughs> and uh, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Whistler is the influence for Walter White. <laughs> the
2: actress... Margaret Lacey, from near near where we live, Chiltern Comhardy. There you go, another Oh nice. Yeah. She she was in Far From the Banning Crowd, the the original one. And she was in Black Beauty. <laughs> you could get a partridge connection with that one I suppose. But...
3: It's fantastic. Yeah,
2: well <laughs> Do you want to pop on Black Beauty again. Lynn? For the last twenty years of her life, she in retirement she ran dancing classes in a North Wales hotel. Oh. so how sweet wow. did
4: you smuggle diamonds yeah, to pay yeah. for the uh, pay, pay, for, <laughs> yeah. pay for the bills yeah.
2: <laughs> the hovercraft ports I'd completely forgotten they exist when I saw this and I thought How's, so that's
4: okay. actually quite cool is been on a, a hovercraft it? no has, has anyone been on one yet? I know
1: no maybe as a kid oh right because they used to be run by British Rail didn't they
3: one of the films run by British Rail yeah. Really, yeah.
1: it's a British institute.
3: We, we used to go to Jersey a lot as kids and we had to go mm. to Weymouth and like I remember as a kid begging my dad to book a hovercraft, oh. absolutely begging him because I've done you know, it, and no, <laughs> no, no, I didn't even realise. I mean, that that's just a lovely Easter egg sense, but just enduring that three and a half ferry ride when thinking we could just uh, oh. have an hour and a half, and it's it's over and done with. You know, on the hovercraft, it would have been so good. British pride, it whatever. is. Yeah, yeah. I almost look at it and go. It's 1971's version of putting the Millennium Dome in uh, yeah. the world is not enough. Yeah,
4: it is almost like a promo shot of the hovercraft, yes. the way it's framed yeah. with the bomb. It thing. was clearly a second unit. Yeah. It's clearly a second unit job. And it was just <laughs> like <the> Guy <laughs> Hamilton was like, go and get, go and get go and get a shot of a hovercraft. But you can just about, and I only noticed this when I did my queer review of Diamonds Ever about this time last year. It's it's Queen uh, sorry Princess Margaret is the name of the hovercraft and oh, I just think nice. I just I just think that's so fitting you know cuz obviously Princess Margaret is like a gay icon you know it's kind of like <laughs> it's no, marrying no. a bisexual man and there's oh, there's yeah so many gay icons in this film but the, uh, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously that's a bit tenuous saying no, that I the didn't hovercraft notice that. is a gay icon yeah I just <laughs> love the fact that they called the hovercraft and of course Princess Margaret had that kind of flighty kind of reputation. She's if you've watched The Crown, she's like the best well, character.
2: So Peter Franks is shown to passport control. I love it how it's like a panning shot, isn't it? Presumably he's been arrested then, hasn't he? And out comes Money Penny with the Bond theme. She's managed to get obviously his passports and Bond is gonna pose as Franks. It's a weird, isn't it, this scene? Because wasn't there some contract negotiations going on with Lois Maxwell? and she refused to refused to be part of it i think something to do with pay wasn't it and she'd held out for a pay increase but it was decided during production to add the scene because they thought i think it had been resolved and they thought you know we need money penny there and at the time i think she had uh, she was filming for something else and her hair was a different color and that's why she's wearing that oh, hat wow. and then there's the thing also that apparently she didn't do the scene with Sean Connery that they filmed they filmed it separately but I'm sure there's one shot of them together.
5: What?
4: Yeah. I don't believe that. That's crazy.
3: Well, if you look back, most of the shots I... are close-ups of each one of them. This is one of the most grating scenes <laughs> on terms of On Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I okay. thought about
4: when, we, when where you're going? Yeah, yeah.
3: His wife has just died, and she is asking him to bring back diamond rings. Oh, yeah. Regarding <laughs> marriage. Bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> It Eat is, it is yeah. brutal. I mean, she's got so desperate, she's going for the rebound effect, and that scene to me—and it's a lovely scene—that thing it works well. It's, but that really grates on me, and that is one of the other reasons why I have to think of this film next to you only Live twice because I find it such two fingers up at the previous film. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really struggle with it to be honest.
4: Well, you've just now completely ruined that scene for me, John. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> because I'd never, I'd never really made that connection. Although, to be fair, I almost pointed this out earlier. Bond himself has referenced marriage in the diamond scene. So he talks about diamonds being synonymous with getting married. Yeah. M's brutal line we talked about earlier <laughs> on is, to tell, is, to, is more to tell the audience. Yes. It's a metatextual line to kind of say, draw a line under that. Get on with it, you know. We we're, we're pretending that never happened. Back to the flirt, and I think you know. Even literally thirty seconds later, Bondy's making a quip about marriage. <laughs> oh, yes. I th- I think I think we can I think we can forgive Money Penny,
3: surely. Yeah. Well, you're a much more forgiving man than I am. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Connery's on great form. I think in this scene. It's just yeah. so, the look and like. Just driving off so quickly in the Would you settle for a tulip? It's so well done.
4: <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> I love that reaction. It's so natural. Yeah. Sometimes yes. some of the money penny scenes, especially in the much as I love the Roger Moore films, obviously. Um, some of the money penny scenes are really forced. Whereas that scene is so natural. She's kind yeah, of is. like, yeah. Oh, you're incorrigible, James. We'll never sleep together. Um, you know but it's kind of like I love you anyway you know it's that kind of body language it's such a great moment I love it and the fact that the music cue in this yeah. whole scene from start to finish is like it's one of those cues that is just oh my god I could listen to it, or it's the music you want when you're about to get on a hovercraft at Dover, (laughs) and to because let's be honest, you know that scene, (laughs) yeah we talked about how scuzzy this film is and that scene feels quite kind of dank and whatever doesn't it you know bond doesn't spend that much time in england at least in this era so it's kind of like oh god we're at dover you know most of us have probably been to dover at some point it's not sexy (laughs) until the theme tune starts wailing on the soundtrack and you go oh my god dover is the sexiest place on (laughs) earth it's like uh, yeah what's going on musically there? john so because i'm a musical illiterate i just know what i like it's that Uh, to be honest brass
3: really goes mad i need to listen back to give you a proper yeah just a proper description of it I can't fully picture it in my head what the what the score's doing at that moment in time.
2: It's That's good for another time.
3: And as she comes out, but then it's,
2: it's
4: the bit when he drives off, and yeah. and then he cuts to the hovercraft, and it's like <laughs> it's like <laughs> that blunt instrument bit in Casino Royale with the Mondeo. It literally, you like when you see the car, and it's something very not very sexy, but the yeah, music yeah, yeah. is the sexiest <laughs> thing. It's like blaring, you know, and it's just like it just sells it. So the cue is called Bond to Holland, which. Just after Mr. Kid, let me just find it.
3: Oh yeah! Oh, it's just a, a um, trumpet. Song. You've got you've got a trombone baseline going on. Hmm. That one, bomb, bomb, superb. That it's absolutely it's, it's
4: spectacular, isn't it? It's like one of yeah. the best renditions of the Bond theme ever. And to consider, you know, it just it just plays against a shot of a hovercraft slowly moving <laughs> down a slope.
2: <laughs> it's brilliant. It's quite Arnold emulated that almost trumpet sound, didn't he? Yeah, Very much yeah. Tomorrow Never Over yeah. especially.
4: I might be talking out of my rear end here, but I'm sure I've heard the phrase at the
3: top of their range before. Yeah. that's a, Is that sort of what's going on there? Yeah, the high part is definitely at yeah. the to- top of the range of the brass instrument. Yeah, We're learning, we're all learning. <laughs> okay. um, God, no. <laughs> speaking of which now we're in amsterdam yes
5: we
4: are <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they have time to go to the Anne frank music no or no like that
3: <laughs> which you i know, have to, been to. i've never been to amsterdam my husband refuses to go it's a beautiful place yeah if you stay out of certain areas oh right okay it's such a shame because the architecture yeah. and the history and stuff like the Reichsmuseum, the Reichsmuseum and that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely sensational. Beautiful place and just really spoiled in some ways. That's that's my thoughts. What do you think, Tom? And it's all so tight together, isn't it? Like you say, you could just yeah. literally go
2: t- 10 feet and you're in a completely different. You think perhaps with the tone of the film, you might have seen a bit more of that. The, the more. The texture is. Well, it? yeah. The more gritty side yeah. of Amsterdam. Perhaps the plot doesn't quite get to those. Yes. Yeah, so Bond arrives at the apartment for tea case. That's quite important because he assumes it's a man posing as Franks. What? Paternoster lift, which we had a lift like that at Sheffield University that everyone was obsessed with, and and then we get a lounge jazz version of the title theme. Oh so Bond's God. in the oh, castle, which is pretty lovely, isn't it? Yeah. I'm I, sure just... I've been to your house, Chris, with this playing in the background.
4: Oh, Was he changing
3: wigs
2: while half
1: naked at the same time? That was a blonde. That's an image. (laughs) Weren't you a
3: blonde? Just as a side note, I love how he says Franks, Peter Franks in the style of Bond, James Bond. Yeah. I love that. It's great. And he says it a few times in the film, just like, for me, the dialogue in this scene is extraordinarily
2: good. One, one yeah. of the best in the series. I think. Extraordinary and, Con- and filthy. Yeah, again, as kids, collars and cuffs, you know, that goes Not up. Not a clue. Not a yeah. clue. Mankovic is on his A-game, and Connery, particularly, is just splendid in this scene
1: isn't it? before this isn't there isn't there a scene where Bond's driving in the triumph and then it gets yeah. to
4: all it, in one it, shot yeah it doesn't even cut Winter like it pans
1: across doesn't it it's so
4: good oh it's yeah a yeah. great bit of fluid storytelling it's so good
1: we
2: missed out Mrs Whistler perishing mm.
4: we sort of dealt with we did story, a bit yeah in a different way to Winter Kid did but uh, yeah well but yeah, yeah. Don't you think it's really effective that we don't see how yes. most of Winton Kids' victims die? Absolutely. I mean, we haven't got to Shady Tree, but there is a deleted scene on the disc, mm. which is horrendous. If they'd actually included it, there's no way they could have got it past the censor. It's so violent. We just don't see them kill yeah. most of the people. It's quite sick
3: how what we see is Mr... Kid taking pictures and saying yeah. Mrs. Whistler always wanted pictures for the children. Quite a sick, sadistic yeah, comment. That and he probably will send them. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I don't know. Yeah. I have no doubt that those children will have seen yeah. pictures of them uh, being pulled out of. Oh, we didn't mean stuff. that. Yeah, I meant on front No, me. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Well, <laughs> well, you saw what he was taking pictures of. Yeah. And it wasn't the Amphraic Museum. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because we don't see it, it's it's a bit scary that what we don't see. But we still see it pretty, again, as a kid, seeing this dead woman's body being pulled up from the river. It's pretty scary. Pretty yeah, horrible was, image, isn't it? And she yeah. looks, she yep. genuinely does look dead. Pale and... Yeah. It's so well done, isn't it? The Again, stylistically, how you've got the Amsterdam tour. And, the River Amsterdam? Oh, and You can see... Ooh,
4: oh! skinny Skiddybiddy! <laughs> <laughs> and as we go up the Amster, on the left you could see. Oh!
2: <laughs> yeah. Obviously, when I did a canal boat tour in Amsterdam, I was with some other lads, they didn't, you know, not Bond fans, all I could think of was that I think I probably bore them with it and like, oh, is there gonna be a dead lady pulled out here? Everyone's like, what? what?
4: <laughs> what? You've not seen you've not seen Diamonds R forever, what? That totally sets the scene for any lad's night out I've had. Are you really yeah,
5: <laughs> <doing>? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Sorry to come across all blokey and everything there. No. You know, no. but uh, yeah. you know, I say I say chaps, <laughs> you know, are we expecting any old ladies to be pulled out of the canals? <laughs> It's one of those, before, we go, before we go on the razzle. Yeah.
2: Not the jazzle. That's something else. Yeah. <laughs> Rob could do a rap. He could, he could uh, rhyme yeah. those two words, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
5: yeah.
2: Free tip.
4: Good. <laughs> Gosh. It's such a hedonistic weekend you must have had. It's ba- <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was very tame. Uh, it was ba- <laughs> <laughs> where are you going at the weekend, Tom?
4: Well, we're going to Amsterdam. What are you going to do? We're going to try and find the sites where... We're dead old
5: people!
2: <laughs> and I want you to take some pictures. The children will be so thrilled. Oh. Yeah. Back to Tiffany's apartment, apologies for that. There is no Mr Case, assumed it was a man. And Tiffany has, we don't see her face yet, she's got long blonde hair. It works well in terms of the gags and the dialogue, but does it make any sense? Why is she doing all, got all these wigs on?
4: Personally, I think it ties in with the theme that we already identified earlier on of that kind of changing identity and no one having any kind of fixed yeah. identity, which is present in every Bond film, but I think particularly in this one. So we it's, it's intended to suggest that we can't really trust the character and we don't yeah. really yeah. know who she is. I'd go along with that. And also, it's a pubic hair joke. So... Double service, really. Going back to what you said earlier about music, the music in this, it, I think the score for this film is so brilliant because it is all of one piece. And that source music is obviously it's, you know, Diamonds of Forever, the melody. It just segues so neatly into that sequence because of the music. It, essentially, the, the, the set itself isn't particularly glamorous or anything like that, but that music gives it that kind of class, which might otherwise be lacking in this film, let's be honest. Much as
2: I love his pieces. (laughs) A classy
4: day. Let's be honest, It is walking through a door and we're supposed to take a character seriously who's in her bra and underwear. um, And, you know, it's kind of like, this could be... So many times I've noticed this in many, many films scored by... uh, Bond films scored by John Barry, even up to his last one, Living Daylight. There are so many sequences which, with the wrong music, could come across as sleazy... And I always think of the, the epitome of this for is in The Living Daylights when Bond and Kara are on the Ferris wheel and it plays the instrumental version of If There Was A Man, the pretender song. Oh, yeah, beautiful. And in that sequence, without that music, that would come across as very, you know, non-consensual, trapping someone in yeah. a place where they don't <laughs> want to be. And there are Fair so many point. times... It, even in octopus. another okay, Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> our beloved octopusy. The scene where, he, <laughs> where, gone, where they. I know. I've got to tread very carefully here. I know, but in, in our beloved octopusy, the scene where Bond and octopusy, where Bond yeah. goes to octopusy's island. And then he essentially—I oh, know—she yeah. takes herself into the bedroom, and yeah. is it implied that she's intending him to follow? I don't know; it's ambiguous. I but what's seen. not ambiguous is that he barges through the door <laughs> and says, "You're—you're you're right. We are two of a kind." Yeah. And the music is the—the th- the only boy. thing that <laughs> sells the fact that that's supposed to be romantic and not. You know, yeah. an act of rape essentially. Yeah. You know, that's obviously not the same kind of scene that we've got here, but it is a woman walking around an apartment naked, and we definitely get the feeling she gets, she's got the abandon in this scene. But the music makes it no nowhere near as salacious as it could be. The great thing about this scene is, I think they are both kind of scoping each other out, and I think that's why Tiffany creates such an immediate first impression because she does give as good as she gets. The best Bond girls, and this, you know, this might be a queer point of view. I don't know, but the best Bond girls are the ones who, kind of, they, they even get one up on Bond. And I know she's sort of reduced to damsel status in a bikini mm. at the end, but you know, she's she's definitely the one
2: in control at this stage of the film. As they go through, they're almost using each other, aren't they, for what, yeah. what's necessary? Yeah, but they're not. Bond is never using her more than she's using him until maybe later and then like well, yeah, a Blofeld intervenes isn't
1: it yeah i think she's got she's got more about her than, than the sort of most kind of female bond mm. characters because the moment you meet she's got a bit of an attitude she's not buying into bonds the, you know uh, kind of oh i'll just kind of you know charm my way kind of thing she's she's i don't know yeah i just imagine yeah. she's would be constantly eye rolling at what, what Bond has to say. So like, I can see through this completely, you know, and I think it, and because she has an agenda of her own, mm-hmm. she, she is much more interesting because she's, she's got her own little plot and she's, you know, clearly part of this kind of like, you know, let's say, you know, the this, the conspiracy around the diamonds and things, she's just not at first, she's not sort of taken by, by Bond, which is usually not the case. I think
3: she really suffers
1: from the last act. Yes.
3: She's really well written until then in a lot of ways. You know, she manages to con a ton of uh, FBI, CIA agents, FBI agents through a circus. She manages to escape death, which is pretty much the only person who does manage to escape Mm. death out of you know, there's there's a lot the fingerprint thing, even though Bond's got the upper hand on yeah. it, is a cracking, mm. cracking ploy. There's lots of great stuff to think that she's a smart cookie. The whole thing of forget it, Curly, you've had your chance. Yeah, great that's what great, they're great, they're great, distra- great distraction techniques. And it's just such a shame that the minute that she becomes she goes on the oil rig, she loses all that sense of character, all that sense of wit that she had. Like mm-hmm. this diamond smuggler who is obviously fully involved and knows what's going on, all of a sudden can't hold, can't shoot a gun. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. realizes that she putting a tape <laughs> in her bikini bottoms is just too obvious. Different Switching tapes, it? Oh, it's a yeah. different character altogether, mm-hmm. and it's just so goodnight. frustrating. It's just Guy Hamilton yeah. again. It, just, it's frustrating. oh, I'm imi- you know,
2: I'm weak, and then right, well, we've done that now. You've had your nice empowerment uh, storyline. That's
3: it. It's so frustrating.
2: I utterly agree with everything you've just said. Um, I still
4: think she's probably more empowered than some of the others. At least she picks up a machine gun. I know it's like a really rubbish part that Bond says, "Well, you know, shoot them or shoot them, shoot them." You know, it's it's one of the most Scottish bits of the uh, (laughs) maybe. But at least she picks up a machine gun. Let's flash forward to 2015. And Madeline Swan doesn't pick up a machine gun on the when they're escaping from Blofeld's lair. And I, literally, the first time we saw that movie, which was on its opening night, yeah, we mate. saw the the first screening. I was just like, "Pick up a gun, Madeline!" And I was I was just thinking, at least Tiffany Case actually picked one
2: up. It's ridiculous. Gone backwards, haven't you know, And really, have gone backwards. There,
4: there is a, There is actually. There is actually quite a lot of academic kind of uh, literature around the the Daniel Craig year and saying that the women are actually far more regressive than perhaps yeah. we we think they are. Yeah. And I think I think that Tiffany Case is you're right, like most Bond girls, she loses her agency in the last third. Um and Goodnight is kind of the ultimate extreme. But at least yes, I mean you, we could carry on all day about this, but you know, Goodnight <laughs> at least Goodnight at least kills a person and blows up the island and mm. almost kills James Bond with her bottom. You know, at least she gets yeah. <laughs> to do stuff. And, you know, t- t- Tiffany kind of does, does get to do stuff as well. And the thing with the tape in her
2: bikini bottoms is one of my favourite bits of the film. We're still in Tiffany's apartment. You obviously mentioned that lovely fingerprint machine. Yeah. It's quite a big machine to just have lying around, isn't it, every day? But <laughs> it's gorgeous and I love stuff oh, with fingerprints. Yeah. I think it, it's beautiful. how The dusting and the machine and everything. Another one of these lines. Of, it's a nice little nothing you're almost wearing.
1: And <laughs> well, then she replies, "I don't dress for the hired help." Again, yeah, and she's got she's she's firing she it right back at him. She's yeah, like, who are you? You're it's a club. Yeah, you
4: know? if it's my apartment, if yeah, I'm yeah. gonna walk around half naked, then mm. yeah, it's your problem.
2: <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not on. Is it something like, "Oh, I'll finish dressing." Oh, please don't. Not a makeout. <laughs> He's just <laughs> taking it to the limit.
1: Just, yeah, his charm isn't working, so now we're getting a bit yeah. sleazy. <laughs> He's laying it on pretty thick.
2: Yeah. Who, Tom Mankovich?
1: No. <laughs> well, Bond. Yeah, Is this
2: anti-gingers? I don't care how, I don't care how much for redheads. Terrible tempers.
4: <laughs> but somehow that it seems to suit you. <laughs> As the only redhead... I'm sorry, here. David. <laughs> I care. <can't. laughs> Strawberry blood. I, I used to be a lot more ginger when I was a kid. It's going more brown nowadays. Yeah, as the only red hair, head here, I can testify that we do have a terrible temper. Yeah. So <laughs> e- e- everything, no everything. she's There's no stereotype. There's no discrimination. It's just true. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the novel again yeah. we don't want to kind of go off on one about this but um, the main kind of character thing with characterization of Tiffany is that she's a, I can't remember if Fleming uses the word survivor or whatever but yeah, she's got yeah. some se- sexual yeah. trauma in her past a lot of them do, don't they? and it's it's Bond's kind of he want, what's the phrase I'm after where he, he's got that kind of complex where he wants to save fallen women complex? essentially which is not Plus just a Bond are. thing. So, yeah. 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 Even Tracy, you know, she's got that kind of tragic past and all the, you know, compared to him, at least mental kind of uh, instability and that sort of stuff. So it's that kind of saviour complex, isn't it? Yeah. Which, fortunately, they ditch completely in the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it wouldn't fit with the tone, would it? No, it it's wouldn't. Her, no. No.
2: Yeah, she's got another very iconic revealing black dress she comes out with finally. Bond asks her for dinner. She reveals, in terms of the plot, the Diamonds need to get to L.A. And Franks has been paid 50, 50k. it's quite a lot of money in those days, Serious isn't it?
4: Like, paid it? 50 grand.
1: So, yeah, he's doing all right, young Franks. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's also, like, sarky as well. She's really sarcastic. Yeah. What, do you think he was going to be a pair of earrings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Another very little scene. Bond just chatting to Q on the phone. As he's removing his fake fingerprints in a hotel room, which we hardly see. Yeah, he's congratulating Q. And then you just... It, it's the only little shot that you see of the Q's workshop. You see some mm. rockets in the background and a car.
1: That's about it, really. <laughs> it's uh, like a massive pile of rockets that are trying to, like... Yeah. yeah. Somehow get into the bonnet of this <laughs> car. Like, yeah. Like, it's a very comedic moment happening in the background. Did you notice
3: yeah. that the car was the red Mustang. Ah, really? Is it really? I, I, I thought, Well, on the leg, I, I only noticed, looks that... like the Aston from Honor Majesty's, yeah, but I'm, I right, I'm not a, then. yeah. So at yeah, yeah. the back, there is the oh, red is it? Mustang. It's surely got to oh, be the really? same red Mustang that is used oh, wow. later in the film. That is pretty crisp. Because I just looked at it I was like, that's the Mustang that's used later. Definitely.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Oh
3: wow! Yeah. The thing I love about that scene is the
4: again. I think there is some some really good editing choices in this film. She says, uh, "So Tiffany says, and for God's sake, come up with something original." One, to <laughs> Bond close up peeling the finger with tweezers, yeah, yeah, fake yeah. fingernails, and I've got a hand it to you and curing Yeah, it's that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's such a
2: clever cut. I think it's just so funny. And then the funny end to the scene when. Q's almost born as soon as he's told him that Frank's has escaped. done! and then you know, just an empty room. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so old-fashioned. I love it. Wouldn't wouldn't happen there.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk peloton has everything you need to help you get going get a head start on summer with peloton at onepeloton.com
4: bond making out with himself then yes that's how it starts
1: uh, Make, uh, and it makes we used to do that as kids all the time. time we yeah we absolutely love that I was obsessed with it. Yeah, in the playground he used to do Yeah something. in the playground. I love the fact that this this is James Bond with all these kind of years of experience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> using this technique He's <laughs> it doing like, it towards the camera, not
4: towards them. So they can't yeah. see it. Can I just say at this juncture, and I don't want to offend anyone here, but straight people are really weird.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I d- oh, yeah. We, we do realise this yeah. honestly oh you think you think we're weird honestly you used to make out you used to make yeah. out in the playground with yourself what well no is that, just, a just is just that a, a thing is that a
1: gag isn't it yeah is that a thing like,
2: like the sort of Blair Witch ending you know if you, if you put your foot on a certain way you can levitate can't you yeah yeah <laughs>
3: It's, it's stupid, I, it's funny though I've got to be honest, I never did the snogging I did the thumb trick where you can pretend that your thumb was. Oh the thumb, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit
4: <laughs> different <laughs> A bit
3: different <laughs> to pretending to you're kissing someone In the playground <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry David, I'm straight and I have never snogged myself I'm going to stand up for a straight <laughs> You can't snog
4: yourself We're not all, we're not all <laughs> oh, weird God. in that way <laughs> If you really must need to you Honestly, you're so fragile You straight people <laughs> yeah. Honestly yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of kids, um, and I've never no, seen in 17 years of teaching a kid pretend oh, yes. to snog themselves. <laughs> I, I think if it, they did, it's I'd por- now, isn't it? I'd probably be reporting it as a safeguarding concern. <laughs> yeah. it's pretty, you know- <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching Times
3: <laughs> <laughs> <all> Forever? Good <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, Yes. Bad so influence Good. on children. Good lad. This is probably <laughs> yeah. the silliest thing that maybe has happened in a Bond film up to this time. Secret agent stuff, especially. This is, I'd say, the silliest thing that we've seen up to it, and this, to me, is the first inference of the Roger Moore era that's going to come later on. Now, I'd say that the snuggling himself, and even the Dutch accent that he starts putting on when he starts being oh, to who oh, him, you is third
4: oh, floor. I love it. Floor
3: that's
2: who is your floor? That's it. That's the <laughs> yeah.
3: light. I who speak English.
4: <laughs> who
2: is your he's, floor? He's <laughs> loving it, Conrad. He's he's obsessed. loving it. Yeah, absolutely loving it. it. Yeah, he Good, <laughs> <loving it. From laughs> So is it, it might be, Ger- well, German, he's just a foreigner, isn't he? That's who we're meant, there is meant a, to laugh at
4: po- I've noticed within the Bond community, there is a kind of popular perception that Connery tuned out as his career went on. I think there are parts of You Only Live Twice where he's kind of reacting to gadgets and that sort of stuff and whatever. But even in that, I don't really see it. I definitely no. do not see it in Diamonds Are Forever. No, it's so not effortless to look effortless.
2: Absolutely. And he does such a good
4: job of making everything appear. He's got that swagger to him the whole time. And the amount of stuff that he has to sell in this film, he goes from (laughs) making out with himself to impersonating (laughs) someone with a really dodgy Dutch accent, to being incredibly menacing after making a, you know, we'll get onto the fight in a minute, but he messes up at the start of the fight. Mm. And then, you know, it's like in that two minutes,
3: the range that he has to have is phenomenal. I'm one of the people who probably subscribes more to the view of him tuning out especially in you only live twice i think yeah. he, diamonds are forever i think he gives a really good performance i think he really yeah. enjoys himself but i do see him as a different sean connor it's say to the one that's in from russia with love yeah it's Ooh, not yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not that it's not that he's bad in it i love him in this but it's a different character uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. very much so well no. this
2: is when it, the change isn't it the, the m- misconception that it was the Roger Moore years but this is the real change isn't it yeah I'd say so thank goodness yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely I think it's a terrific fight this it's all about the confined space isn't it mm-hmm. and stuntman Joe Robinson was a champion pro wrestler he was actually considered for Red Grant doesn't surprise me that, I mean that. that's sort of saying that a lot of the role of Red Grant maybe was originally because he's hardly speaks doesn't he to start with Mm-hmm. and then he's in this massive fight. You might as well cast a stuntman and then get, try and get him to act rather than get uh, an actor to try and do the stunts. I'm not sure, uh, no offence to Jerome, but I'm not sure he could have done the acting as well as <laughs> as um, <laughs> Robert Shaw the, in the bit before the fight. But, no. yeah. And, yeah, he won our henchman poll, of course, Red Grant, so even more kudos. This was all pretty much choreographed by the two guys, and uh, Hamilton was sort of g g-ing them on as well. Yeah, so Joe Robinson, he ran a martial arts center in Brighton. There was an amazing story when he was seventy, he hit the headlines. He was in Cape Town, and there were eight muggers t- tried to, you know, tried to beat him up and rob him. But he ended up <laughs> beating them all up and getting I mean, what a guy, you know? Wow, Absolutely incredible! Yeah, what a hard as nails guy. This this guy really is at seventy. Um, yeah, seventy. Yeah, and he was in the new all the newspapers. Like, I mean, that must have been pretty terrifying, wasn't it? Yeah, Frank's arrives in the taxi. We say a yeah, lovely blue music as um, he's doing the kissing. Bonds looking at his watch, and it's. Do you think this was deliberate? The fact that he does make the error, like you say, the first time he pulls his arm back, it smashes the glass, and that alerts Franks, doesn't it? It look. It almost looks so realistic that it, maybe it was just in one of the takes that happened, and then they started the fire. I don't know. I think it's intentional, and it is quite easy to
4: miss. But I think it needs yeah. to. There needs to be something to clue him in to. Yeah, otherwise it's just, yeah. I, 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 I think it's totally intentional. Eh? It's, it's very believable as well. You know, it makes the fight more tense because you realise Bond has messed up. And he's got to make the best mm-hmm. of that situation. Even though he's messed up, he's literally fighting for his life. And he could have, you know, it, for, for once, things haven't quite gone to plan. And I think that's what makes that thing. The thing that it reminds me of, this sequence, and it didn't remind me of it until I rewatched it for this, it reminds me of the stairwell fight in Casino Royale. Because there are usually Bond, Bond films obviously take place in exotic locations and things. There are a lot of stairwells. I realised this when I re-watched Bourne Supremacy. Bourne films located a lot of fights in stairwells and office rooms and, you know, customs agents' offices and all that sort of thing. Very unglamorous spaces. And this is quite a glamorous space in terms of it being a lift. But it's also kind of a very everyday space. The thing that always... It doesn't irk me. In a sense, it sort of adds to the scene, is that it occurs in a very public space. And no one else... In this apartment block, notices what the hell is going on. I mean, Casino Royale, it takes place in a fire exit stairwell, essentially. So you can imagine why no one sees it. But no one, like, pokes their head out the door, to, apart from Tiffany. No, presumably they're at work or something. No one pokes their head out the door. And that all, I do always think that during this sequence, because they're making such a racket and destroying the place. <laughs> this beautiful lift. But it is this very public kind of space which a lot of times Bond films do not have action sequences
2: take place in. It's very loud as well, isn't it? The crashing, the smashing of the glass
3: and the These, fire extinguisher thing at the end. The sound editing is king for it for me, especially at the start where it takes out any score and all you hear is the lift noise and it's yeah. absolutely soup. And then they bring the score in gradually to climax there's that word again and then um, and it's superbly done the sound editing of this scene it brings in the claustrophobia even more to the actual lift fight it's a great fight if i would have one slight criticism of it it would be the ending this is to me this fight in its own way is just as violent. As from Russia with love, fight in in its own way. Yeah. But whereas from Russia with love finishes with a brutal garrot, we here we've got someone fire extinguishing somebody, and like it's yeah, in it, like a pie in the face kind of. It is very pie in the yeah. face. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like and and and, yeah. and 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 to me, I would rather him just been bashed over the head and gone over, and actually uh, been yeah. a bit more brutal because this is a bit in the film that does take itself seriously this is this is a bit that is brutal this is one of the main technical parts of the film and i don't think you need the pun at the end of it to be honest if you if you interpret it as a pun and it's,
1: it's and it's, it's 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 grounded you know it's like say one of the few scenes where you know you see bond having a fight with struggles you know you, there is that tension of is he going to get out of this mm. you know obviously you no know he does but it's what i always liked about it is that like say he, he messes up So he brings attention to himself by smashing the window. And then through it, it's like, this is a fur fight. (laughs) You know, and the remote Uh, is like, he's getting, you know, it's it's it's, and and clearly that, you know, he'd underestimated Peter Franks because, one, he escapes, and then, two, gives him a hard time, you know, and Mm. and, and it it wasn't an easy kind of, he probably thought what he was going to be, wasn't it? But no, I think it's a a, a cracking fight. And like you say, the, the, the way it's shot... The, the the use of music and the sound design the fact that it, it, there is real tension in there, it's a real highlight for the film.
2: And he uses his wits, doesn't he bun? like at one point he could be decapitated couldn't he, you know the, the shot mm-hmm. of him going up on the lift and then he kicks the stop button again lovely sound design and that sort of yeah the shard comes in I know, I know David, you're right, aren't they? Not anyone's seen it, but Tiffany's sort of there, watching it, absolutely shocked, isn't she? It's a, di- it's a different way to end it, in terms of the, this fire thing, the extinguisher, the normal ending, isn't it? It's not a quick, boring strangulation, as Matt would say, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit, and he, he does get flipped over. It's quite horrible, you know, violent how he just shucks the fire extinguisher down on his you know, face at the end. Yeah. Is he dead? I mean, well, I don't know, actually. I sincerely uh, hope so. <laughs> we assume he's dead. Yeah, it's I sincerely hope so.
4: I think it's a really neat bit of storytelling because, again, it allows them, it gives Bond the tool and it's, uh, you know, the dead body in order to be able to yeah. carry out his mission, which is quite macabre yeah. when you think about it, isn't it? So, some poor so and so had to stuff this body full of diamonds. Yeah. um, In order to, you know, and it's obviously played off as. You don't stop and think about it during the film because it's played off as really, really light. Elementary. I suppose the thing we haven't talked about is Playboy. You know, I as I was doing my queer review for Diamonds of Forever, I did kind of Google Playboy. And I'll be honest, um, I've never bought a Playboy. <laughs> the first time you Again, like... <laughs> again. It's, no, I haven't. And I only read it for the articles. But having said that, I did find out in the course of my uh, digging around that Playboy were actually uh, queer allies from the ni- late oh, yeah, 1960s. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that bit because this is obviously the the dilemma at the heart of Bond all the time where every every uh, I was thinking in the living daylights when he checks into the hotel. It's like your usual suite. Everyone knows who James Bond is and Tiffany knows who Bond is uh, or at least has heard of it heard him by reputation, even if she doesn't know what he looks like. Um, so, I always think that's it's, really interesting.
2: It's not just implied, just if you were to take a really forgiving view of it, you just killed James Bond. It's, it isn't just her saying, I've just read no. his name and you just killed him. No. I, obviously, I've never thought. Is that who he was? Yeah. Yeah, He in an American accent, yeah, like I say. Is that who it was? But I don't. Is he just saying. Obviously, the joke is that we all know Bond. <laughs> Bond's a superhero, isn't he, basically? It's an in joke, isn't it? It's not quite VJ playing the the bomb theme on the on the pipe, but um, it's one of those moments, isn't it? Where it, it, people will say it takes you out of it. I think it's hilarious, and it's I, I can understand though why people hate it. I presume you're not a fan, John.
3: It's similar to the stuff we talked about in *Gordon Gun* because *Gordon Gun's filled with that. The whole plot is based on everybody knowing who James yeah. Bond is. You know, <laughs> I don't mind it as much here. Because it's a joke and it doesn't have any effect on the plot, whereas the whole of *The Man with the Golden Gun* it it relies on everybody knowing who this secret agent is. This here is just a throwaway line, and it's in keeping with the film, so I'm all right with it. Playboy card is that? Was that? What does it mean? What is it? I've seen people in the Bond be, commu- and again, I'm not
4: judging at all, um, some lovely people in the Bond community, presumably straight, who um, show their Playboy cards on their Instagram and that kind of thing. Okay. Anyone a member? Anyone a member? What's it like being a Playboy member? Anyone know?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> uh, oh. My dad was uh, much oh, to yes. my... Uh... <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, so, yeah, my dad used because it used to be a Playboy Club in Liverpool, and um, all right. So you would go, and you would, you would, it would be a bar, and you'd be able to you know, obviously, and the waitresses would be dressed as the Playgirl bunnies. I think it didn't really take off in the UK, but yeah, I uh, remember Hooters my dad in, uh, a Playboy. <laughs> but yeah, great food. It's uh, I've been
4: to Hooters in Nottingham on a yeah. do. it's quite good actually. It? Yeah.
2: yeah. It's next to the, the two football grounds, so that's whenever we were playing Notts County or Not- Notting Forest, we, we used to go there. <laughs> Family friendly. My, my mum like, aren't they well-dressed, these nice girls? Okay, fair enough. That's Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> the play, Playboy Club in Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So the card is for that. It's not for your memberships of the magazine or the the mansion. I don't think so. No, I think it means he gets to go into
4: the Playboy Clubs whenever he's going going around the world. I suppose you could see it as almost like an update of, you know, because obviously Bond is, well actually Bond isn't a member of Clubs, is he? He's a member, uh, M's a member of Blades in the novels Mm -hmm. and um, Mm. so it's almost like an update of that really. He's kind of, Bond is like a member of a, instead of a, gentlemen's club he's a member of Spirit Rhino's club <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's like Spirit rhino oh god yeah uh. hey i'm oh, not dear. i'm not judging people who work there
2: just the people who go there <laughs> but no, no, very no, different no. things we're all sinners we're all sinners don't we? <laughs> um, i'm not right. judging anyone yeah I'm, ju- I'm just yeah i quite like how bond is using a bit of martial arts because he is trained in it isn't he you just sort of like a judo chop on, uh, for once of a better phrase, on Franks. I've just had Elstin Powers pop into my... Well, that's,
4: yeah,
5: <laughs>
2: yeah. A lot of it was clearly inspired by this film, wasn't it? <laughs> and then we see the diamonds are revealed in the chandelier, which is lovely again, the musical cue. A little old lady dropped them by yesterday morning.
4: That's a great shot because it's not a cut. It's actually in yeah. the shot again. You don't notice it until she turns the lights on. It is a, it's
5: yeah. a
2: really lovely moment, actually. Now, Jill St. John... Uh, the lady, of course, who plays Tiffany Case. She was actually originally offered the part of Plenty, but she landed the role of Tiffany, the lead, after a guy called Sidney Korshak, who assisted the producers filming in Vegas. He recommended his client, St. John, who became... Uh, she is the first American Bond girl. I am right, answer? I? I I think she, that's under-aid, eight, isn't it? Is this the seventh film? As far as I can think of, yeah. Seven, yeah.
4: <laughs> well, it depends whether you... Count Casino Royale, nineteen sixty-seven.
2: Well, anyway, it's not David. That, does. That's a discussion for another time. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that it's taken this long? I suppose that the missions were dependent on the books as well, and there hadn't been any massive American characters in the the other books, had there? Because obviously Tiffany's no central, fairly central in the book. Very, yeah, very central. Yeah, yeah. She's she. Yeah. I mean,
4: you know, there's the argument that there are lots of girls in Bond you know, films and books, but there's really only one, wasn't it, I can't remember the exact words again, but Ian Fleming said something like, he was, he was asked by a journalist about how many women Bond gets through in the uh, books, which is a horrible, horrible phrase, getting through women, uh, but you do hear that quite a lot in Bond discourse, unfortunately, but and he said, "What one girl a year? That doesn't seem too bad to me, or something along those lines." No. Because by the by the standards of the fifties and the early sixties, it was kind of kind of shocking and unheteronormative <laughs> that he bed so many women. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not so swinging sixties then, though.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That was the that was the weird. Uh, I, I always think when people uh, think of the swinging sixties, they're thinking about a very narrow section of the population that were. Kind of sexually
2: liberated and certainly not yeah. most of the middle classes. But Vegas, anyway. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say People who go to Vegas aren't from Vegas, of course, are they? Like Dubai, anyway. I right, that's presume not. Have any of us been to Vegas, been, been as we're about to get there? I don't think we have. Rob Parker of this parish has. But you've, you've been, John, sorry.
3: No, I've not been, and if I'm being honest, it's one of the last places on earth I think I'd want to go as mm. well. Yeah, same. If I'm being totally honest, it's just no, no. it just doesn't appeal. It doesn't appeal to me at all. No.
1: Yeah. Why well, got to Vegas when you got Blackpool? So.
2: Absolutely.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Got yes. better
2: ride. You got better rides. You got the see yeah. at Blackpool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's only it's less than an hour from us, isn't it? Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only right. an hour and a half from me.
4: I did a half marathon in yeah. Blackpool once. That, that you know that, you did, that yeah. was that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> You say that as if you're looking at me and you're thinking, how no, did no, that really so. un- unfit English teacher ever do it? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, no, you're I can't, spelt, can't, can't imagine.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. You've just got me thinking now, is that what if this film was set in Blackpool as opposed <laughs> to be? <baby>? Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and like, you know... So as opposed to the high-speed car chase, we'd have the high-speed donkey chase. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd see Sean Connery go up Blackpool Tower to see uh, Blofeld on the Ugh. top floor. I mean, it, it's just set yeah. in stone, isn't it? You if, know?
4: if any film, uh-huh. if any Bond film, could be relocated to Blackpool,
1: it's this one. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of on like, <laughs> he penny slots cute. Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> yeah, bag full of... Two peas, <laughs> Madame Two instead, yeah.
4: instead of the oil rig, it could be the pier at the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh
1: there's a remake. It's got to happen. We should <laughs> yeah.
5: shoot. Yeah. We
4: should shoot a spoof of <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever in Blackpool. Blackpool. you yeah, know an auteur
2: director. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Nolan has chosen Blackpool. <laughs> like like Partridge, this will put this will put Blackpool on the map. Why would I want to do
3: that? Good point. <laughs> good point yeah, yeah. yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> got lots of other ideas you'll like it. anyway back
2: to Jill St John <laughs> oh yeah
4: oh yeah a film yeah. a film yes, we're talking the film about. Yeah. Off forever. yeah. yeah.
2: The, the Vegas one not even there yet So yes uh, another actress Linda Thorson met with Cubby Broccoli hoping to be considered for the part of Case but he didn't he didn't think she was right for the role but he did uh, think she was good for Plenty of tool. But the reason much t- much many years later Broccoli told her she was never cast in a Bond film was because she didn't have long hair. You know, given all the um, wigs that Tiffany wears. <laughs> yeah, There's definitely
4: terrible. a thing in Bond about length of hair. It's like, obviously mm. it's gender stereotypes in society, but Roger Moore famously had to cut um, cut his hair, didn't need to play um, Bond.
1: Probably yeah. was
4: like, no, you've got to keep keep short, having it shorter, having
2: it shorter, whereas the women have to have long, luscious locks. Mm. Absolutely. Well then Mission Impossible too. thankfully. Change has changed all that. Progress. <laughs> Progress. underrated film. You oh, know, I will defend that. For,
4: film. It, 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 yeah, I love all the
2: Mission Impossible films. I totally agree. Yeah. We are allowed to say that. It's not one of these podcasts where they're the enemy. We, you know, we don't work for... EO. Oh, no, no, no. Come can like both. So. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, so, uh, Tiffany Case, of course, we've said she's a, there's a bit more to her than perhaps some of the previous women, and she stands up to Bond quite a lot, and she can really, uh, I don't know, stand her ground, I suppose, until till the end. But yes, Jill Oppenheim, her her real name, her birth name, married four times. She's been married since 1990 to Robert Wagner. Said it as in the composer mm. or the the ex-fats contestant. Does he does he uh, <laughs> pronounce it Wagner? I'm so yeah. It's I'm Wagner. never sure. I think it is Wagner rather than Wagner.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I think it probably is Wagner. He allegedly, allegedly, lest yeah. we be done for slander, but he allegedly was involved with the death of, and this is a nice link with Diamonds of Forever, well, not a nice link, it's a horrible link, <laughs> yeah. with yeah. Diamonds yeah. of Forever, Natalie but Wood, obviously yeah. uh, Natalie Wood's death. Yeah. Absolutely. So he's, was, was he agree. married to her at the time? And if-
2: there's quite a bit of background on this, and there's a lot of animosity between um, Jill St. John and uh, Lana Wood. So that oh, really? was her they former have sister-in-law. I think. It's quite, it's quite complicated. Yeah, it must, have, must have been... Sorry, husband's sister, yeah. And then of course, Sean Connery was involved with both, both of them during fil- filming. <laughs> and I, listen to this, they've had a half century feud, as far as we know. So basically, it's been, wow. it's never ended. And there's been two well documented public altercations, one in 1999, yeah. year of the world is not enough, of course when uh, St John refused to be photographed with Wood at a Bond girl reunion for Vanity Fair magazine. And then quite recently, only five years ago, 2016, when Wood crashed an event honouring St John in Palm Springs and confronted Wagner over the reopened death case of her sister Natalie, of course. Oh. This is like a Ryan Murphy
4: miniseries. Where it is, out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. Oh.
4: Ryan Murphy gives gives gay directors a bad name, but you know it's uh, 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 oh yeah. Um, I cannot buy the OJ
2: Simpson and um, Versace.
4: Oh, I, I I work with loads of people who love them, and I feel like a, sorry a, a traitor to my a, a traitor to my homosexual race. To um, to uh, to kind of berate berate Ryan Murphy. It's really important for Ryan Murphy to be a powerful producer in Hollywood and everything. But I think whenever he directs something stylistically, it's an abomination. It's just it's just awful. I hate it. But that that's just personal preference. Anyway, I can just imagine. Let's get Ryan Murphy to redirect to to direct Diamonds Forever in Blackpool. That would that would be that would be the aesthetic. Deal. The perfect aesthetic
2: of this film. <laughs> Ryan Murphy could direct the story of Natalie Wood, and uh, yeah. yeah, so she she mysteriously drowned in 1981 while yachting with uh, Robert Wagner. That's never been resolved, and there's always been that sort of murky thing that we probably can't say anything due to legal reasons about that. Was it a
4: boating accident? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Listen to this. I've got a list. This isn't meant to be sexist or anything. A list of people that. Jill St John is meant to have dated or has definitely dated. This is, this is incredible. We've mentioned a few of them already so obviously Sean
3: Connery George Lazenby Sorry, this is a really rubbish joke now but if you think after we finished uh, George, George Lazenby and, uh, and Jill St John she turned, he turned to the camera and went this never happened to the other fella <laughs> you know, oh. oh. It's
5: so,
4: such you a
3: know I have an image of George... This is
4: complete... I have an image <laughs> of George Lazenby saying that now. Completely <laughs> naked, except for a big furry coat. I spent a while on Thunderballs having a look through the pictures. Uh, oh, there's, a, there's a joke there, which I'm not going anywhere near. No. But the... Yeah, there's this weird anecdote of George Lazenby's himself, where Peter Hunt was given a big furry coat for... So the director of honour this big furry coat for Christmas by the producers, but Peter Hunt didn't want it for some reason. So George Lazenby basically stole the coat, and according to George Lazenby, that coat was the reason he... I can't remember the exact phrase, but basically he got laid multiple times. <laughs> Apparently, women love a gigantic <laughs> furry coat.
1: Just making a note, does it have to be furry? Yeah. How, what kind of fur? I don't know. I, I, I think
4: it <laughs> And where do you get one of these
3: furry <laughs> coats from? <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Jules and John did dates uh, George Lazenby apparently. My- Michael Caine, obviously. Wow. David Frost.
4: <laughs> da- David Frost was a hottie back in, know, back no. in the day. Honestly, uh, it's not. I thought it was just Frost. Ni- Have you ever seen Frost Nixon? Yeah, uh, yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was. Um, I thought that film was lying to me. And then I actually looked at the archive pictures, and I'm like, no, David Frost was. Are you only remembering from like through the keyhole and stuff? Well, but yeah, he was quite. He's although Jennifer's a,
2: a fan of Michael Sheen. I think when he's when he's got a beard, in. Mm. Is, it, is it the Good Wife? Yeah. It? Definitely, yeah. But there's loads of these, so I will try and race through them, but there's right, a is this, is, this,
4: is this episode purely all all the people yeah. that Jill St. John slept yeah. with and <laughs> related anecdotes?
2: It's got it fits the tone of the film.
4: In the interest so, of uh, balance, we probably need to do this with one of the male cast members at some point. But well, yeah, yeah, I think I think George Le- George Lane would the likely candidate, I think. Yeah, we mentioned yeah. George Yeah,
2: yeah, we've got yeah. we've got Sean, we've got Sean, yeah, yeah. So Jill Saint John has also dated Tom Mankovich. <laughs> according to <What>? this. <laughs> but of course, he okay, never married, okay. and that was on his obituary. Uh, well, so yeah,
4: as we discussed last time, I'm I'm relatively certain that Tom Mankovich was gay. But that you know, sexuality is a spectrum. You know, most is. most people, science has proven, are not exclusively one or the other. So you know, there you go. <laughs> To quote a character we will eventually get to, you know, she is
2: attractive for a lady. For a lady, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Others here: Jack Nicholson, obviously. Roman Polanski. I'm just adding. Con- to pack, yeah. Tom Selleck, who another Jennifer's a massive fan of. Tom
3: Crikey. Selleck.
2: Of yeah, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, on the Vegas scene, of course.
1: Yeah,
4: that there must have been again. Not that I'm judging at all, but there must have been a substantial age gap between her and Frank Sinatra. Yeah,
1: yeah. Did Lana Wood put this list together? Yeah, <laughs> yes, <yeah, she, laughs> <yeah. laughs> I'm her agent, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: it's so I can get her on the show. <sighs> that's that's, that's, that's why it's been done. <laughs> really. yeah. yeah, I was going to say, what's the <laughs> provenance that, that. of this source? Plenty talk? of names, O2. <laughs> so, <O-Tool>. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, God. I said, I said when I started who who she's allegedly dated. So yeah. I'm covered. i most of them are dead. What now,
4: gossip so. rag has <laughs> turned this list out?
2: <laughs> yeah, you love you love the other ones, and then I will finish.
3: Hang on, there's more.
2: Yeah, Robert <laughs> Vaughan. Okay, Adam West, yeah. who we've mentioned, who was possibly up for yeah, being cast very for attractive
3: the man. Yeah, that's babyish though, isn't it? Because like, obviously, she was in she she was in Batman, wasn't she? Oh, was she? Yeah, could, she could was. Was she in Batman in the TV series? Yeah, she yeah. was like the joke. I'm mean, pretty sure it's the Joker's like uh, kept woman. And ah, she was yeah. in for quite a lot of the, the TV series. Like a proto Harley
4: Quinn sort of thing.
3: Yeah, kind of. Didn't really want to be with him. More kind of. Progressive. Like, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's quite. <laughs> <laughs> <mean, I'm, laughs> but yeah, it just, it, well, it genuinely seems though that any film or TV series that she's cast in, she's romantically linked to um, the main actor.
4: Played by gay men? As well, well Caesar yeah. Romero in Batman. Yeah, obviously I don't know if this is news for anyone. No, uh, yeah. but C- uh, probably, possibly
2: not. But what? Cesar Romero is <laughs> gay as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that, but I, I, didn't know that he wasn't gay. If you know what I mean. Mm-mm. She was actually on a film with Frank Sinatra called "Come Blow Your Horn." Again, that sounds a bit rude, but uh, she, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for that. Underrated. so that's presumably where she met Frank, and the final name. Another name which has been mentioned in a Bond film, Henry Kissinger. Wow! Which
3: what
4: references is there in a Bond film to Henry Kissinger? I can't remember.
2: I'm gonna get Henry Kissinger. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, Henry Kissinger, the only person who who's not who's mentioned in a Bond film on Fawlty Towers.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Henry Kissinger.
1: If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod.
2: Before we get on the plane to LA, we have... uh, The body has to be boarded. And we get a crisp military version of the title theme. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Not on the the official centre, it's And... Connery's in his element, isn't he? He's overdoing it in a way, isn't he? He's sort of pretending oh, yeah. to be the deceased brother. But he's like, don't keep going on about it. You're making it a bit obvious here, mate. <laughs> we were inseparable, do you know? Please, Mr. Franks. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like, shut up. <laughs>
1: Get on the plane. Get on the yeah. plane.
4: <laughs> there is actually no reason for that scene to exist, is there? Apart from boarding the body on the plane. Quite a lot of this film, Sean is just basically messing with people.
2: Which I kind of like. Oh, yeah. He does it well. Like we said before, before we get to that, there's like that pretty scary shot of him watching and there's like a huge zoom into into his face. Possibly a bit of music, actually. And then the perfume. Yeah, Mr Wintz spraying perfume. I must say, Miss Case seems quite attractive. For a lady. And a great look from uh, and, Bruce and, Glover.
4: And an absolutely venomous stare oh, from yeah. his yeah. life partner. Have you ever done that stare, David? <laughs> yeah. I can totally relate to that one.
5: Um,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <but laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't read too much. I th- I think that, Sorry, that, I that scene... No, no, no. That scene is absolutely brilliant because it does yeah, it show is. a mature relationship. And, you know, um, Antony and I, are, my husband Anthony and I, are the sort of people we can say, oh, they're attractive and obviously yeah. there's no kind of comeback or anything. I've often wondered, actually... You know, I've I've asked some of my kind of straight friends in long term relationships. Is that a bit of a double standard? Do gay people get away gay couples uh, get away with doing that more than straight
2: couples do? I think so, but I it took me a few years to go there with Jennifer, where we can now confidently mm. say sure, she's she's nice. I might be a little. She looked around. She there, will Tom. remember <laughs> Yes, I did look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just check re- the away room. room just in case. <laughs> <guess. laughs> yeah. She will remember, though, years later, that I've said someone's attractive that I can't even remember saying. Oh, no. So that's, yeah. But she just finds it funny,
1: Obviously, he's complimenting someone from the opposite sex. Yeah. So is that an added dynamic? Yeah, I suppose it's like if we... Does he see her as more of a threat or less of a threat? Yeah.
4: Mm. I suppose, yeah. I mean, we do that as well. It's like, oh, she's very attractive. Yeah, Yeah. It's kind of like, oh. And, you know, just going back to... You know, sexuality being a spectrum, you know, I identify as a gay man. But, you know, as science has proven, you, you, you can unexpectedly find or expectedly find uh, people of the, uh, uh, you know, the people that you don't usually find attractive. You can find them attractive under certain circumstances. I don't think that's what's going on in this scene. I think it's just a way to kind of actually we talked about this last time kind of progressively portray a, a, a same-sex relationship um, and show, oh, they're just like us, sort
2: of thing. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. It'd be more effective than if, if it was, like, a guy that he was eyeing up, because then that, that maybe would bring a few negative stereotypes, might always mm. Or he's just looking at another Yeah, man, the idea that gay men that are more promiscuous and all that yeah, kind yeah. of yeah.
4: thing. Yeah. And if anything, they're pretty buttoned down, aren't they, really? You know, they're uh, homonormative. They're... Uh, they're they they're very relatable to any kind of couples in the
2: audience in that moment i think oh yeah i think i think a couple watching this film hopefully at the time would have would have looked at each other and laughed i hope yeah 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 <laughs>
1: you do that uh... like you say it's almost a bit of a sort of like, like with a lot of with winter King. everything seems like a, a slightly backhanded it's like yes they're just like us but we'll make a point of you know, yeah yeah, they're yeah just like us yeah. yeah 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 I, yeah I can get that I can, I can imagine lots of kind of you know straight married couples going oh george you yeah. know, remember that time on the train <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. george on <laughs> the brain and you yeah. ruined dinner you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
3: that man in his furry coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, no, yeah that's yeah. What
5: it's <laughs>
4: Oh, put the furry coat away, George. Yeah. <laughs> you don't to I'm not wear it. in the moon, it now. George. But, yeah. I think the furry coat needs to go up for winter, don't you, George? Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I, I don't know where my brain's going with that one.
3: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a bit a tangency, but it is to this point. I think this is quite an interesting scene on the basis that it actually highlights a loophole in the film later on for me, a, a plot hole in the film. I know there's, the, I know there's like the deleted scene of of uh, Plenty O'Toole going in to take Tiffany Case's keys for her house, and we don't get that. Yeah, But it's implied that Plenty O'Toole is killed as a result of mistaken identity. Yeah. But Winton ah, could right. have seen who Tiffany Case is. Mm. They've just acknowledged yeah. that Tiffany Case is very yeah. attractive for a woman so it's like so it doesn't make sense because we, we've got to presume although we don't see it we presume that it's Winton Kid because they're bumping off everybody who mm. is involved in it but they would know that that's not Tiffany Case so I that bit's always confused me a bit and I really like yeah. this scene don't get me wrong it's, it's not a criticism of this scene but I just think it serves as a highlights a plot hole later
4: on I've never noticed that before, John. I mean, you've ruined Diamonds Forever again, John. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> after 30 years of watching this film, uh, I'm, I'm now re- <laughs> re- re- realising that there's even more holes than, uh, than I thought there were before. Thank you for that. <laughs>
3: no, it's very enjoyable. <laughs> there's, there's fewer
2: plot holes in some of the others. Oh, yeah. Name one. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We're at LA airport, and we meet Felix, and we get. I've written here quite sleazy, but gorgeous John Barry music. This is one of those um,
4: cues we talked about before, which is like on the soundtrack. It's labelled source cue. I don't know if it was originally on the tapes that they took them off, but it's so kind of unnecessarily gorgeous that music for a, a quite mundane scene. Just
2: showing off, wasn't it? It's
4: yeah. like the sort of music you want to play when you're just waiting for a bus or something like that. Just to make life yeah. a bit more glamorous.
3: <laughs> yeah, so Felix. For me is the worst Felix in the whole series. He's a bureaucrat and I could not imagine James Bond being his best mate. No. Like this is so far removed from Timothy Dalton and David Hedison, Or even Jack Lord and Sean Connery. This John is, Terry? Well, no, yeah. not John Terry. The <laughs> <We really> don't <laughs> like What's him more. <laughs> No, it's just the way it's it's just the way he's portrayed as. He's portrayed as a bumbling idiot, which is not the Felix Nighter that we know. And I just think it's a really it's a sad portrayal of him. He reminds me of like, is it Le in Beauty and the Beast who oh, basically yeah, yeah. the <laughs> little the little dog's body to a uh, to Gaston yeah. It reminds me of that like that kind of just that irritating little guy who's there and he's only there because you feel sorry for him kind of thing as opposed he's to so- take pity on him
4: <laughs> yeah he's just there to mop up Bond's messes essentially isn't he especially the scene later in the hotel room uh, yeah. I we'll get we'll get to there by 2027. Yeah. One thing I did pick up when I listened to the DVD commentary before I wrote my article last year was that Guy Hamilton said that he wanted a straight, in terms of just kind of mundane, Felix yeah. Leiter to, to contrast with, you know, the livelier characters in the film because he already had characters turned yeah. up to 11. So I, I can sort of see where they were coming from with that but it is a waste of Felix Leiter especially as, and we talked about this last time as well but the novel of Diamonds Forever is not the best novel but one of the best things about it is that relationship between Bond and Leiter even though they have no reason to be together unless they're in love with each other no reason at all to be with each other through that whole
2: novel this is not that relationship in any any sense Norman Burton, the actor, he played the first gorilla we see in the Planet of the Apes, you know the iconic first one. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> I think that's quite interesting. Wow. You
5: yeah.
4: know, when you when you when you realise <laughs> yeah,
2: that these apes are, you know, able to walk and ride horses, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Hang
4: on, they
1: weren't real apes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I made it, ma. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Film. yeah. What are you? An ape? Oh. oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Other films he's been in: Wonder Woman, the TV series. And The Engineer in The Towering Inferno. Oh, really? I love that yeah. film. I, I really like Never that. Never noticed. Love those disaster movies, yeah. And mm. Ken Russell's Crimes of Passion, which I haven't seen, but we get the Ken Russell yeah. link in with Andrzej Wajda, Griffith one? Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Crimes yeah. of Passion. He died six days before his 80th birthday in a car accident. Well, that's brought us back down to earth, Tom, thanks. Considering we're about to head to a mortuary. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because Felix is tipping Bond off that these sort of goons have, have arrived to pick them up in the in the funeral car. I think it's quite it's quite a good exchange between them, isn't it? Like chats without pretending that you know each other, but obviously they do. And they have the elementary doctor lighter line, which good line, isn't it? Tom
4: Mankiewicz was proud of that line, but Cubby Broccoli yeah. was like, "You need to delete that line from the script." But I think it was Guy Hamilton who saved it. There you go. Great director, Chris, isn't it? yeah there we are <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to throw my husband under the bus here but when we rewatched Times Forever hours before we began uh, ahead of recording this <laughs> podcast he did say um, he did say I don't get it what's an elementary my husband is famously naff at science <laughs> so <laughs> so um, See, but, but yeah so I, I do think it's one of the, you know he's a very intelligent man but I do think it's kind of a bit of a niche gag oh
1: yeah yeah yeah, you can imagine. Oh, him kind of punching the air when he wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, no, it's, not everyone's going to do anything,
1: but yeah. Yeah. that line <laughs> stays in the script.
4: It's a bit too clever for its own good, in a way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a biology expert. I, if you were to tell me where my alimentary canal is, I'd be like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Idea, but Sorry it's mate, like, that yeah, It's like, I, I know it is a body part, and that is it. So it's not that it's not exactly <laughs> laugh out loud funny, is it? It's a far more highbrow than something from Purvis and Wade, though, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Shots fired.
4: See, I'm down in the gutter with Purvis and Wade most of the time. So. <laughs> the ride to Slumber
2: Mortuary. And of course, Mark Lawrence is one of the the guys who is in yeah. the Man with the Gun. And the Gun. Yeah, they recommend that Bond sits in the front. I presume that's just to, just for the camera, just for the camera angles, maybe. Well, right, it's just
1: good. to make him look uncomfortable, isn't it? To <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like, squash between some goons, and obviously you get that really great line.
3: <laughs> I got a brother. <laughs>
1: Small I world. Bro. world. <laughs>
2: Small world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's good. <laughs>
3: Better in the front. Good,
4: it's it's a it's
2: like it's yeah,
4: it's yeah. My my favourite bit of this fish. scene is when he slips up and says, uh, "The uh, stiff, <coughs> the deceased." It's tasteless. A <laughs> brilliant <laughs> way of stripping away the artifice of them. You know, we're not gangsters, honest.
2: <laughs> Do you think yeah. everyone in the car knows what each other's up to? Do you think they know the Bond's on oh, yeah. them or... yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. So then we get to the slumber mortuary the exteriors were in nevada an actual mortuary and the interiors of course were another glorious ken adams set bit of a different one for him to do i suppose he actually visited several funeral homes in the vegas area he got the inspiration from seeing some of the particularly gaudy ones and he says yeah the use of tasteless art nouveau furniture and tiffany lamps oh there you go so maybe that's the the link with what we were saying before so that's where that's where he got those from and this was actually the final scene filmed uh, of the production. Oh wow! So we get Bond greeted by Morton Slumber, played by David Bauer, who died two years later. Just another sad note there, another one. So oh no! It. Lovely organ music. Is it a John Barry? Is it his? Yeah, it is. It's on the soundtrack, so I'm presuming it. You is. know the sort of calm one beforehand, not the op- operatic, mm. terrifying mm.
4: one. Yeah, it? it's it. He's it on the soundtrack, so, but again as a source music cue. Yeah. I mean, all of the music in this scene, whole sequence is just utterly terrifying.
5: Horrendous. Mm. So,
4: oh. This
2: is one of the key scenes from childhood, isn't it? It really is. This. Yeah. Oh, it, it warped me as a child. Mm. This scene. didn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. And that's just just entering the room. Slumber turns on the machine to start the process, and then we build up the, the scary opera music. You know, it's all—it's a joke, deliberately done very quickly. And you're right, are we done because we know what we're here. We're both here to pretend this is an yeah. actual thing. We yeah, want the diamonds yeah. and all that. Yeah. I do like that in mm. films where. You see things a couple of times. Now I was watching them die recently. How the funeral in New Orleans? Everyone stands in the same places, and the crowd are all doing the same things. And then they go through it again, don't they? And even the ritual with the snake—it's the same. Yeah. Camp- well, there's the word ritual. Yeah.
4: So I do like—I do like that. I'm sure someone's written an academic essay about representation of
2: ritualistic behaviours in James. Well, <laughs> <and laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. And, and if they haven't, I'm gonna add it to the list. You're up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So yeah, we get a return to the lovely organ music as we go into the office, the side office. Bond's given the urn containing the diamonds. And then we get a shot of Winston Kidd, don't we, outside.
1: Favourite things about this scene is when they walk into the office and Corey sits down on the most uncomfortable tiny little chair. And he sits and he folds his <laughs> leg and he's just sat like in the middle of the room, sat really <laughs> awkward with his legs kind of and it, it only struck me on watching it again I've not recently. seen it. just how awkward it is he just has this chair that doesn't look like his arse he can actually fill it <laughs> and then <laughs> he just he's kind of perched he looks really awkward and I assume it's a deliberate thing and he kind of sits there like like an old lady almost like he put his handbag on his knee and he sits there and it's just, just for a second he, just, he looks so unbelievably awkward I actually laughed out loud because I thought he was just oh, brilliant, brilliant. Like a visual gag I've I'd never, never noticed before. maybe I'm just looking and I just thought no. <laughs> brilliant just the way he sits there and he, kind of, he just kind of just sits and just looks round for, just for a tiny like, <laughs> a second It It really made
4: me laugh. Is this a thing in movies, Chris? Do you just do you just look out for awkward postures? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yes. Do you think it was done deliberately then? I think, I think it was. I think it was just the way he just—it's just really awkward. He just like looks around like he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's sat (laughs) like six foot away from the desk <laughs> on yeah this yeah tiny little chair.
4: not to that's dwell weird. too long in the company of death because you know Tom keeps bringing us back to that like is it supposed to be a plot hole or not is the cremation and they bring out the diamonds immediately and uh, you know if you've ever been to a cremation you know that's not how it works you <laughs> <laughs> know and I'm just like uh, yeah. um right okay yeah it's just a bit Maybe odd. that's because there's
2: a few spoken words
1: after.
4: Yeah, maybe. Maybe they just turn up the oven means... as high as they can go and kind
2: of hope for the best. I don't yeah.
1: know. Give me some oven gloves to hold it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Tweet us how long does
3: a body take to burn <laughs> in a crematorium?
2: <commentary>,
3: <laughs> as a kid, I thought the first time I watched this that Morton Slumber was actually Blofeld in disguise. Oh, Wow! I, I I was convinced like the minute he came on screen, I just thought that's Blowfelt with his glasses because he just has the grey hair like Charles Grey. I, I yeah. genuinely just <laughs> thought that was. I honestly, I remember as a ten year old kid, I was convinced that that was Blowfelt in disguise. How wrong I was!
4: Maybe, maybe it's a double that went a bit wrong. Yeah, he did he didn't spend enough time yeah. in the mud. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he, he, did, he didn't like mud pies enough yeah. so he's demoted to a funeral director Yeah, <laughs>
2: and he uh, still doesn't meet Winter Kid because they're outside aren't they and I, I do like the sort of process Bond collecting the money isn't he containing the envelope slumber ink I'm sure people have mm. got merchandise with slumber ink I'm sure everyone seems to have everything else don't they I'm sure that's, that should be it's a bit, bit grim of course but I'm going to get all new stationery with slumber ink on all my envelopes <laughs> I've lost the audience I'm now, right. wor- Christmas. I'm now worried about you Tom <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> David thought we were weird when we were saying we are kissing and pretending to kiss ourselves in the corner of the room
5: <laughs> Tom,
4: Tom are you okay? I'm <laughs> you not, know. I'm not is, I'm is, some, is someone mate. checking in with you
2: on a regular <laughs> basis <laughs> I've got my carer Jennifer on standby so yeah don't worry good <laughs> Jennifer we're going to need you yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, kid are there, and, yeah, they knock out Bond, so, crucially, Bond doesn't see them because he's back to turn to them. I-, I love, again, how they use an urn. I love it. Yeah, That's it's do, brilliant. You know, it's so good. Irony. And then Shady Tree collects the diamonds. Yeah, so we're introduced to Shady Tree now. Bond's put in the coffin, and here we go. I mean, guys, how scary is this? Dear, dear. Six time is six minutes. Six
3: minutes. Check.
4: I, I genuinely had recurring nightmares about this sequence as a kid, and I think that's partly why I love this film so much because it just messed me up <laughs> it's a bit like when you watch yeah. a horror movie you can't you can't stop going back to it, can you but yeah, this sequence really messed me up, and the puns
2: don't ruin it for me
1: there's so many puns no you know. oh, no no, and I think that's for, for, it, it's what makes it as a as a kid what made it fascinating and just this weird film because the, because the tone is it's 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 like really witty, it's very lots of quick fire dialogue, but at the same time it's really quite dark. You know, it doesn't shy away. That and it it, it show you could easily kind of there are ways of portraying that scene where it's like oh I'm sure you will get out, but if you watch that for the first time you think that's it. Yeah. As a kid I thought. There's there's no way he's gonna get out of this. He doesn't have any gadgets on him. How's he gonna get out of this? And that's that's great writing. Is that the way to get out of it? Is someone just turns it off, you know? And then it becomes a joke. You you get the line, you know. Yeah. I just think it's such a it's such an interesting film. It's just there's nothing nothing lies. It's not. It's brilliant.
3: Just to follow on from Chris, what Chris said. As far as I can think, this is the first time that Bond. Doesn't escape by his mm. own means. Yeah, yeah. Bonds are gone. Bo- bonds are gonna. But for these guys deciding to turn it off, and I, I think to me that, and it's just seeing the smoke come into the oh. um, into the casket. That like really just was really affected. To you. far more than the big flames. It was the smoke coming into it. Just like yeah, yeah. Uh, it the peril the incoming danger. Fantastically shot, fantastically written. Probably the strongest scene in the film, I'd say.
4: I think they actually had quite a lot of fun shooting this scene. It was interesting, I didn't know Tom until he said that it was the last sequence they shot. And that makes sense because there's actually loads of publicity shots, like production photos. Um, if you go through the Thunderballs archive, there's tons from this sequence. And one of the best ones is a black and white photo of Winton Kidd with Smith and uh, Bruce Glover lying down as if he's dead like that. And then and then Smith kind of standing over his shoulders, kind of like terrifying and also loving at the same time. It's a <laughs> weird shot, uh, which I've used in a couple of things, just because it's like, yes. it's so unique. There are loads of photos from that, from that day or days of shooting.
2: For me, has anyone seen a film Scrooged with... Bill Murray. There's a very yeah, yeah. similar scene oh. in that, and both of them mm-hmm. just scared us as kids so much. That one's when his his futures being, you know, the ghost of Christmas future's being presented to him, and he's oh, he's, his brother's crying at his own funeral, and it's it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> and then it ends with the hallelujah when he wakes up. It's <laughs> so well, that's
1: great. What makes it great is that you, for it to be for, for almost the jokes to land, you have yeah. to go you have to commit to the dark to, to Very then moving. have that, have that relief. Yeah. And that's, for, for the, you know, and it always made me laugh. And it was more from relief when he opens yeah. the door and he's, he opens the, the, the castle. You dirty, double-crossing yeah. line, yeah. you think it's like, oh, he's all right, you know.
4: I mean, th- th- I think it's partly because that's such a common phobia in a sense, mm. you know, being buried alive yeah. or yeah. being burned alive. Yeah. You know, even to the point that historically people used to, and um, what so when sailors died at sea they used to put the last stitch through their nose to make sure they weren't still alive you know that would be the thing to wake them up yeah. if they thought someone was dead and i'm sure victorians i've read far too much about this but i um, probably because of this film and because it had that this impact on me but um but victorians used to have like bells installed above their coffin i'm not sure how that worked but basically they oh, could ring yeah. that if it in fact that's portrayed in yeah. um sean connery link great train robbery the Mike, have oh, you ever yeah. seen that the Michael Crichton written directed yeah. film they actually do portray that that in there that's probably where I know that from and I think there's like an Edgar Allan Poe story about being buried alive and you know it's such a it's such a common phobia
2: there was a children's ghost story yeah I forgot what it was called it was very Chris territory it was on maybe early 90s on TV with a boy with a bell around his, oh his neck came to like another boy's window at night it was absolutely awful it was called something like Darkness Falls it wasn't that but it I need to I need to refine that, but it was mm. really awful. But yeah. it was that you, I think that must have been it, David. You know, to make sure that he was yeah. dead. Well, this is this is friends. cheery. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah it's this is. T- <laughs> yeah. But it is a, it is funny the the relief Cause you, well you've had the glowing tributes. Yeah, glowing <laughs> tribute. And all oh, I also
0: all love I
1: love yeah. <laughs> how like, it's kind That's like, and Wade. He's like. Yeah. Just jumps out of the casket. He's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "Yeah." Here, the whole time. Yeah. He's like,
0: yeah. I'm,
1: "I'm out now." Like, yes. Yeah, so- walk. <laughs> oh, that was nothing. <laughs> <I'm gonna> go. <laughs> it's like a minute ago. You yeah. were shitting yourself. Now, yeah. don't tell me, you're Saint Peter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's great from all of them. Those lines, like you said, Chris, are so funny. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Only like a New Yorker type accent would make it funny, as funny as it is. I still haven't a clue what he says. It's just, but it's just the iconic. Mm. As a kid, those lines like. <laughs> were Winston kid definitely trying to kill him, and then Shady Trees intervened, or were they trying to torture it out of him? Or it's a bit like the Faberge
4: egg in Octopussy.
2: If you you can yeah. track it through the film,
4: I've never actually bothered to do it though. But clearly, Blofeld stockpiling these diamonds to make a giant space laser, because of course. You know, that makes total sense, yeah? yeah, oh, Like you do? Yeah, like you do. But at <laughs> some point, he's kind of... I, I get the feeling he's having his cake and eating it. He's sort of siphoning off the diamonds one way and keeping the pipeline running in other ways with fake yeah.
2: diamonds. And,
4: yeah, it's all a bit
2: wibbly-wobbly, kind of, you know, doesn't really make do a fat only lot they stop the cremation because he realises that the fake, though? I think so. Yeah. But in Octopus City, they want
3: fake diamonds, don't
2: they? <laughs> Just to confuse it. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, think, it's I think it makes sense, that's fine. Well, it's consistent, probably... with, it's consistent with every other yeah. death, isn't it? Every other person who's been involved in the diamond smuggling has been taken yeah. out once the real diamonds have been passed on. You think of like Mrs Whistler, you think think of uh, Dr yeah. Tynan, but they can't kill him because he still has the real diamonds. The, he's yeah. not passed them on. So I, I, I yeah. take it like that, definitely.
4: So technically, I suppose... Just to go back to what you said, John. Technically, it's Bond's ingenuity that does save him because he doesn't put the real diamonds in Peter Franks. Yeah. And gives them to the CIA. Well,
1: uh. hoping that they won't... Re- <laughs> it's like, hopefully that will... Sure <laughs> There's come a lot kid. riding them.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that, that he's... is
4: like a cast of the die, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he plans because... it that way. No. <laughs>
2: really double Join us for part four of our Diamonds Are Forever review, where Bond is really enjoying Las Vegas. Not only does he have a lovely car chase, but he also goes on a moon buggy ride.